0: First time ever. Hear you loud and clearly.
1: Uh, and it was going place.
0: That stuff's great.
2: But the game is not a roguelike.
1: Boomer shooter.
3: <laughs> Bang. Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWP, In the Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the Drowned God Cthulhu lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town.
1: Welcome to another chapter of In the Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the Drowned God, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Alright, we are joined by our lovely guests today. This is the sound designer panel, so we have Ben from In the Keep, and then we have Giannis and Maunus from the 3D Realms, and I'd like to hear everybody kind of introduce yourselves and just go around the table. Who's first?
0: Jonas Not is first. Me. <laughs> I'm first. All right, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm Jonas. Um, I am uh, an audio designer at 3D Realms and Slipgate Ironworks, um, where we're working on uh, basically all the audio, uh, weapons, magic... Um, whatever they might need. uh, We're there to design it and help implement it and make sure that everything works as it should. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, that's basically what we do. Yeah. Magnus?
3: Yes, uh, my name is Magnus. uh, And uh, I'm I'm also a sound designer at Slipgate. And I guess uh, Jonas pretty much described what we do uh, at an everyday basis.
1: Am I saying your name wrong? Always. (laughs) (laughs) Ma- always. <laughs> <laughs> is it Magnus or Maunus? I don't, I, don't, I don't know oh, how to pronounce shit. it correctly. Yeah, that was a
3: clean pronunciation. Yeah, I guess in Danish it would be Maunus, but I, in English it's Magnus, I guess. Okay, well, whatever. I don't know if it's a rare name in, in the States.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like, you know, the only famous Magnus is Magnus Carlsen, right? For us, anyway, that mm. I can think of. Uh, but. We agreed that when I get to Denmark, we're going to play chess, and you're going to school me, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah,
3: definitely. for sure.
1: <laughs> and uh, Ben, you yes. want to introduce yourself to the to the guests for like for the 18th time now? Yeah,
2: sure. Um, so I'm Ben. <laughs> I'm also sound designer, I'm more on the side, not in my main job. But I basically do weird shit in the woods. Um, so <laughs> mostly I'm into field recording, so going out there and recording with different microphones i have like a whole bunch already and i'm adding to my collection and i'm doing uh currently the sound design for call of the Ragnar and Stellar Valkyrie for in the keep games
1: sick um well i've got a few icebreaker questions from some of their patreon supporters and such so i'm gonna just go ahead and start with those and then we'll get the conversation flowing and let all you guys do your crazy technical talk that i'm sure i won't understand <laughs> it should be fun uh the first question comes from vent steel and he says uh this goes to everyone uh, what kind of research and reference material is the most helpful for you guys when you're crafting the aesthetic of a game if any at all
3: uh personally i would say the concept art uh, is really good at giving an idea of what the mood should be of the game mm-hmm. um and in general just seeing all uh all the work from the different people, like 3D uh, assets and all that, it all helps give you like a, an idea of what what direction you want to go in. I would say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think it's too. So it's, it's very important um, when we try to decide on an audio direction that um, yeah, that we look at all the, the the concept art and everything that might help us give us an idea of uh, more like the feel that you're going for. Um, Oftentimes in, in audio design, you don't necessarily, like you will be inspired by the authentic sounds. Like, let's say if, if you make like environments, of course you're going to, if it's in a forest, you're going to want, you know, um, like trees and, the, and wind and, and everything that you would expect. Um, but sometimes you also want to 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 um, uh, go with what sounds right instead of what sounds authentic. Um, yeah and and sometimes be creative and, and, and more try to lighten the mood. For example, if you have a stylized forest, you might fill it up with uh, the sound of birds chirping and singing if you want it to be sort of like upbeat uh, and magical in a sense. But you can also quickly make a, a forest very dark and very, uh, you know, have, have that sort of grim, dark, atmospheric. Uh, it's kind of haunted out here. Yeah. And um, and yeah, we... we uh, we must, very much try to, to also sit down and uh, play around in, for example, levels or with anything that we design for yeah. to sort of uh, get a feel for how does it actually feel when you uh, swing a sword in the game or um, walk around in an environment that's been designed um, and try to also yeah. talk to uh, you know game designers and directors to sort of what we're we trying to do here. Um, yeah.
3: The game shatter also into. very... Yeah. Like shapes what the sounds is gonna be like. Uh, if it's like a an RTS or versus like a, an RPG kind of game, that would change also how the sounds would end up, yeah, sounding in the end. Yeah, um, definitely.
2: Yeah, man, I, I agree with you both. I'm I'm also going from the concept art uh, in the beginning, and um, then there's stuff like, uh, especially for. Like enemies or NPC um, then the animation becomes really important to me um, to see how how much weight is behind the movements or something like that mm-hmm. to, to touch on that area and um, yeah but also like the the back and forth with the designers or the yeah the lead is very important to to establish what kind of feeling you want to have because as you said you can make a forest really friendly and really happy sounding or you can make it really dark and brooding just by the sound and don't change the visuals at all. So yeah, there's some mm-hmm. kind of conversation is always needed to find the right spot.
1: There's something interesting that we, we, I think we talked about this a little bit when you were on the call of Ragnar's dev blog thing, but how like how semantic do you really get in something that I think Giannis brought up also was like trying to, be super authentic is not always the best approach because you and I were talking about like, okay. So like hypothetically, right. In stellar Valkyrie on these different planets, the atmosphere would be different than it is on earth. And therefore everything should sound wrong. Like how much, you know, and, and what do alien birds sound like and all that kind of shit. I'm just, But in reality, it needs to sound like something that pleases the person listening to it. And they have to understand what it is. It can't be just totally out there. Um, and that comes down to even, you know, like weapon sound design. So the the, the famous example being like the shotgun in Doom, you know, they slam mm. a door and that becomes the sound of a shot. Like gunshots in media, period, not just in games, are almost never actually gunshots. Mm. And so we have this conditioned idea in our head of what something would or should sound like, even though that's not really what it does sound like. It's about getting the reaction out of a person yeah. that you want.
2: Yeah, um, and absolutely. Yeah. And the, the sound of something... Um, or to change the sound of something takes years because um, audiences is kind of used to some kind of style for certain sounds, Mm. especially for gun sounds. There are, uh, I'm not, I'm not really sure yet what the title was, but there are some movies that try to go in a different direction or in a more natural direction. And even those are just doing like small increments to get a bit away from the mainstream sound that people are used to. And, it doesn't always work because uh yeah oftentimes people just say yeah the guns sound wrong sound really weak or i don't know yeah so yeah that's that's always a trade off um yeah we we talked about the call of the Ragnar thing because there i, I would t- i try to record as much authentic stuff as i can and oftentimes you have to at least mix something else uh, mm-hmm. in there with it to make it yeah to make it fit to make it feel right but yeah there you can really see where the Yeah, where the limits of the real sound lies because some sounds are just like very boring in real life.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's also like um, a very cool example of also uh, using, um, for example, uh, using how you, um, like humans have this, what would you say, like uh, the sound of like a predator, something like, for example, let's say a a lion roar. Um, You will sometimes hear in movies where, you have a uh, car chase scene, and sometimes you know they they cut to like the uh, the sort of the bad guys in the car, and they drive over. and I've heard some movies where s- sometimes it's subtle, but some people like to just crank that up. Where um, you you hear the sound of the engine, but they mix like a layer of this lion roar into it to sort of give it this sort of predatory uh, kind of sound to it as well. Yeah, um, yeah. and and you can sometimes use these. Um, what would you say, like, the, the associations that people have to certain sounds to, to be like, oh, the bad guys are therefore predators and uh, all these, like, subtle ways that that, that oftentimes uh, sounds will be used. Um, I think it was also yeah, the you- uh, the TIE fighters in Star Wars.
2: Yeah, Star Wars, yeah. The snake sounds, yeah. they, I
0: think, right? NASCARs, right?
3: <laughs> You're also kind of touching on the subject of, uh, I believe it's called cross-media literacy, mm. where you kind of like from, from watching a lot of different media, like films and playing games, uh, you, you get accustomed to certain, uh, yeah, kind of uh, ways to do things. And so we kind of, yeah, expect uh, a certain kind of behavior sound for, from, uh, for other games that are like it. And it's a kind of interesting subject, especially if like when it, when is the right uh, time to break away from the, the kind of cr- cross media literacy. Um, and it, it's uh, related also to a study that uh, Jonas and I once did, um, where we tested all kinds of, yeah, um, different uh, audio, uh, what's it called, um, kind of models, I guess, uh, and uh, And one example was the cross-media literacy, which was really fun to uh, kind of test around with. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's all about expectations. Um, I think, for example, if someone sits down with a game the first time, I heard about, um, for example, the the very first Final Fantasy game back when it came out. They had two um, battle music tracks, uh, one for like regular enemies and then one sort of like boss battle track. And then the uh, final boss would just use the boss battle track. Whereas uh, later on, uh, they did like a remake for the PSP, and they made this, uh, or this is as far as I, I've been able to, to read at least, that they they made a, a, a proper final boss uh, soundtrack for that. Because you know, when the, the more games you've played, you expect the final boss to have that its own track, its own uh, you know. Would you say, like identity in, in terms of like, uh, you know, audio and visuals, music. And, um, and it's one of the things where like, if people haven't played a lot of games, they might sit down with the game and it's just using the boss battle track for the final boss and they won't notice. Whereas other people will be like, well, that seemed like a pretty lazy approach. Why wouldn't they make a final boss track? And so that, you know, it's like the more that you engage with a certain media, the more you sort of develop this kind of literacy and that's yeah. the sort of thing you have to take into consideration when designing audio and also as mauna said like you know when is the right time to sort of break away from these um like what's just always been done to sort of uh, make a sound sound like the thing even if it's a completely uh, different um uh, source than 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 the authentic source for a sound for example um and and you know knowing when to to uh, sort of play into the associations and, and also trying to develop something unique. Um, it's, it's a big thing, you know, when deciding how you want to go about the design of a certain uh, enemy weapon, like anything really you can imagine. Um, but it, it's it's fun to, to sort of be creative with with uh like we, we had um we did some work recently Where we uh, we got a bit more abstract and creative with um, some environment design, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, it was definitely very fun trying to sort of capture the mood. uh, And and um, instead of just you know going for like uh, your standard, um, say for example that you're let's say you are making the sounds for. Like you have a haunted mansion. You don't just want it to be filled with like room tones and stuff, right? You want it to be, to have all these weird sounds everywhere and that you can't quite pinpoint where it is to sort of give you this feeling of paranoia. Um, And this lets you like, when you get, you know, stuff like that, that, oh, make a haunted house. It's like, oh, well, we don't really have sources for haunted houses, but you sort of have like, you know, the feeling of someone watching you from behind maybe. And you can do a lot of things with sounds, placing it around. Uh, to sort of give that yeah. mood and you that sense kind of... of lent, uh, from horror
3: movies as well. Yeah, yeah. And all the different uh, principles they use for, for sound editing, like, you know, uh, like sub-bass, for example, is where it's associated with, like, something heavy, like some kind of presence. Uh, and we utilized that heavily in our last, uh, yeah, uh, level as, uh, as Jonas and it's kind of fun to... Sorry? No, you go ahead. I thought you were... It's kind of fun to... Yeah. Uh, also, as Jonas mentioned in the start, where it's like realism versus uh, kind of driving home a point. And it's yeah. fun to sometimes say, okay, fuck realism. Let's just uh, focus on uh, kind of driving home a point or, or enforcing a narrative or something. Can I cuss? oh yeah (laughs) it's my podcast you know me
0: man (laughs) okay (laughs) this is pg (laughs) 13. it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission
1: (laughs) yeah i could edit it out if i wanted to but Uh, this i assure you this will be the the least this will be the tamest podcast i've done in forever especially the one i released today good god almighty i got demonetized on youtube (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Just> because,
3: <laughs> which is fine. I don't. Fu-
1: I don't fucking care, you know. But my grandma does listen to the show, so you can keep that in mind.
3: Oh,
1: sorry, <laughs> grandma. Thai. <Ty>. yeah, <laughs> <Grandmother-load>. grandmother load. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> No, you can cuss all you want, man. Um one of the things that I wanted to bring up, and I'm curious how you guys approach this. So you're talking about like, you know, the ambient sounds in, in a haunted house or any, anything like that. If, like there's this phrase we use a lot when we like, it felt like the air got sucked out of the room, like the pressure change, right? And yeah. that yeah. even like touching on what we were saying earlier with uh, you know, even if you're on a different planet, but you know, in these moments in the story uh, of whatever you're playing, like, like be like Fight Club, right? The moment when you realize that he's not Real, like Tyler Durden isn't real he's the narrator and then there's that whole like we've just lost cabin pressure moment yeah how do you like yeah. how do you go about making the the sound of the air in the room hmm. is that even something you take into consideration
3: I think yeah like for example uh, the room tones uh, uh, we use for various places mm-hmm. um And not just like the same room tone it changes depending on the size of uh, the room that we're in to kind of create the feel of not just like the natural echo and reverberation of the room but also kind of this this feeling of pressure for example Mm -hmm. in a haunted house you would have this intense pressure and i guess something like filtering and eqing could all like already be a good uh, starting point
0: yeah, you can also like play with uh, contrast. For example, say you have like a haunted house, um, but it's, you know, in like this area, like let's say a, a foresty area or something. And you might use it to your advantage just to just make the forest sound like exactly what you would expect. Give it as natural and authentic a sound as you want. But as soon mm-hmm. as you move into the haunted house, like it doesn't sound anything like what you'd expect. <laughs> and you immediately just feel that contrast and 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 just have that, oh, shit, some, something's wrong here. Uh, and yeah. we don't really want to be it, in here, but, of course, like uh, the game dictates this is the way. Maybe the door shuts behind you. Tough luck. Um, and, yeah. yeah, that's that's a lot you can do with audio. Um, I actually yeah, played um, a while back. Uh, <laughs> I played um, Penumbra, the uh, oh, yeah, yeah. precursor to, to Amnesia. Yeah. Um, and a funny thing that I noticed, like, right in the beginning, um, when you come down in this, into this mine shaft, like, just before you've gotten in there, there's, like, this metal hatch in the door that you have to open. But as you go into the room where this hatch is, like, something growls and knocks on this things, like, really, like, bam! And you're like, oh, shit, uh, <laughs> I don't want to go down there. And then, of course, you find out, oh, I have to go down there. And isn't that nice? Um, but, like, the first time you go down there... Um, like the, you have this dark path ahead of you. Um, but I, I figured out that the entire area, like it sounds like there are monsters lurking around and you're walking very slowly forward. Um, or maybe you're not walking forward at all. Um Of course, I'm brave and walk forward. After about (laughs) ten minutes, Uh, but I I I went around the whole place and I figured out that there was actually no enemies. Like in terms of like game design, they weren't introducing the enemies yet, but they gave you just purely with like audio design and of course you know using visuals. Like you couldn't see very far ahead. That was the sort of what's in the dark, and using the audio, they sort of gave you the sense of there's monsters lurking just around the corner everywhere, um, and you're not safe. Another way that, that, that was kind of a cool <laughs> thing I thought where 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 you know it was just purely audio that was just you know freaking you out no monsters yeah. at all penumbra and amnesia really are very
2: high in audio quality um, as far as I'm concerned I'm, I loved all those games and I think it yeah. wasn't I think it wasn't one of the amnesia games where they also did something with the room tones um, as you mentioned earlier ty the 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 you, you lost, just lost cabin pressure you can also like change the 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 whole feeling of the place if you suddenly just lose the room tone and yes. go to silence yeah because there's yeah. always like this noise in the back and you don't really realize it if you're not an audio guy and not uh, are constantly like taking care of uh, listening exactly where something is. But um, you have this this room that sounds like this room, like for an hour of gameplay, this whole mansion sounds like this. And then there's some kind of story moment and suddenly there's silence. And you just notice the silence and you notice there's something missing, but you don't know what is missing. Something is just wrong here because silence is wrong in real life. You don't have silence anywhere. And Yeah. yeah, that can be a very powerful thing to do.
1: It's like yeah, uh, if you're sleeping and you have like a fan on or some kind of yeah. white noise and it, it when it goes, it goes off, out. it wakes you up. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's just, it's, it's just as effective as if you walked in and started playing a trumpet, you know?
2: Yeah. And that, that yeah. ties in, in the whole, uh, using animal noises. That That's also a thing that gets you subconsciously and where you can like, I, I think there's, that's That's been a long-standing tradition in film to mix animal noises and all kinds of machinery mm-hmm. and, and spaceships, for example, to to stand uh, make the, the good guys and the bad guys stand off. Um, and yeah, there are a couple of psychoacoustic tricks to do stuff like that. Um,
1: right. Yeah, that's yeah.
3: I was also <laughs> yeah, about to mention uh, silence. It's a really nice tool. It's the same way yeah, you hear yeah. like, in a forest where suddenly there are no birds. It's like, oh, wait... Yeah. What what happened? Where's all the yeah. life? And they can also be like, yeah, we're on an almost like a, a metaphorical plane where it's like there's no life here because something lurks or something. Again, if it's like a haunted house or something,
0: yeah, that's also sort of like you know when when you know that like animals like uh, before an earthquake, for example, it's like oftentimes uh, you know the animals sort of feel all of these sub frequencies or something, and yeah, they exactly. And like they get the hell out, so when you're suddenly there, and all the animals were like ahead of you, being, "Ah, see ya," you're like, "Oh, guess it's just yeah. me here then nice Something's wrong. Um, and like even even more accentuated with especially with silence as the powerful tool, like when you remove it it's especially in horror games where like if you're really immersed in it, like you might not want to say something because you feel like even your own voice might startle whatever is out there so like when you take away the the all the audio your own sounds get even more extended like you hear yourself more and like you're trying to be even more silent and you get even more tense yeah Uh, so it's a it's a particularly powerful tool Um, you can also hear uh, it (laughs) suddenly
2: yeah exactly
3: you can also use like the david lynch approach and sometimes just skew like uh, the balance of something. So for example, the room tones gets, gets too loud. Uh, that's oh, like yeah. a classic uh, David Lynch thing where his room tones are really, really loud mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. very like, uh, dominant in the sonic picture. Uh, and that also creates like this weird, uncanny feel because the room tone wouldn't be loud at all. Um, so that's definitely also a fun approach it's kind of skewing the balance. So like also like Jonas said, suddenly you hear your own sounds uh, way more. Maybe you even like increase it, uh, with the volume just to create like this feeling of uh, just like what's happening. Something is wrong.
0: Yeah. That was actually like a very fun um, assignment we did. Um, we went to a Sonic college where we started sound design Um and a very fun assignment that we had was um, we got like a word or something that we had to communicate audibly. Um, and the group I was working with, we, we were tasked with uh, anxiety. And uh, what we chose to do was sort of with some recording techniques, um, we went down into the cafeteria doing a break and did some recordings. And so you just start by hearing like this cafeteria noise, people talking, and then we had like these Lavalier mics, and we just yeah. um, took one each, like two guys, and went out into each side of the room. And you got like this sort of zooming effect, like you were being like pulled into to the sonic picture. And then we made like this low pass um, on it, uh, sort of feeling like you're in the head of someone. Put up these sort of uh, you know breaths, uh, irregular breaths of someone sitting there and, and feeling this anxiety. And one of the things that we did as well, kind of like, you know, turning up the volume of a room tone was like, we, we, um, we put in these, um, like unnaturally loud sounds of like glasses clinking and, um, people walking by. And it was like, doof, doof, like these, it sounded massive. And it was sort of like someone just, you know, getting this, I don't know, sort of like a, a trying to audibly communicate a phobia for crowded spaces, um, and that was uh, that was a really fun task, uh, to, to to try and, and 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 sort of audibly express such feelings. And and I think it goes very well into sort of when you try to 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 capture a mood or capture a feeling in a place and try to get the player to feel a certain way, uh using uh, just audio. And there's a lot that that you can do to really get creative with uh like not on all some levels will require you to be more authentic, have the more authentic yeah. approach. But it's it's very fun when you get to have these more creative, abstract, um, like sessions and designs that you can do. Have you
1: seen the film Uncut Gems? Nope. No, nobody. No, not okay. Not no. So what what you what you were saying earlier about you know having every like all the little sounds in the room suddenly be very loud, like cl- the clinking of a glass or whatever? That movie in, in my just. Total, you know, armchair quarterback here estimation is like a fantastic audio design in general. Like it's, you said the word anxiety and it reminded me of the movie because it, it, this movie is so completely like about exactly what you just said. Like creating the tension and the anxiety of this guy who's basically a, a gambling addict and, or I should, he's like addicted to the deal. Right. And he's always getting himself into trouble. Like probably legal and maybe criminal trouble because he's always, you know, constantly working on getting that next fix of like selling something or moving something. And they, they do that by exactly what you just said. Like there's no point in the movie where that's, that's not always prominent. Every sound is just like so crushing and that's true. And I think that's a, like a, a human evolution thing. Like when you are anxious and stressed out, you suddenly pick up on, things that ordinarily just bled into the background because you're looking for the threat. And that's such a brilliant way. I mean, uh, kudos to you, that is a truly brilliant way to like create that through sound.
3: It's the same when you uh, watch a horror movie and then you go to for a glass of water or something. And suddenly you're in the Mm -hmm. mindset of fear. So every sound becomes like a suspicious and oh, Mm -hmm. water dripping and you, yeah like just like you mentioned like every sound that would normally just fall in the background suddenly you're acutely aware of of everything
0: yeah yeah it, it's like that uh it's tapping into sort of that, that primal fear of uh like the brain will will filter out sounds like a, a rustling in in a bush for example like when you when it just starts you'll immediately notice it but if it just keeps on going and it's like oh it's just a rabbit or i don't know yeah. you, you sort of filter it out because like oh it, i don't need to pay attention to that um mm-hmm. But, like, so when you make take sounds and just you know make them obscenely loud, like to really pay attention or, or, or you know shift the attention to, to that, and especially when you do it unnecessarily and over a long period of time, like you create the sort of um you know tense uh feeling. Um, and and yeah, it's 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 uh, that's a really cool way, especially in horror. Like, it's it's I feel like it's especially uh, or at least particularly important. Um, to 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 consciously and, and very deliberately use sound to sort of create like a pace. Like sometimes you might want the, the player to okay, here's some a safe zone. You're you're safe for now. So there's not a lot that pay that makes you pay attention to it. And then you might want to to um, sort of bring more of these things in and other places to to sort of. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. You never know where the monsters is going to pop out from. Um, it's sort of like the uh, you know the, the high-pitched violins uh, in, in like just before Scare, you have like uh, this, this very subtle but very high-pitched violins that just create this tension um, just to poke you in, in sort of like horror movies and such, that they'll often use mm-hmm. that. Um, That's a, yeah, it's just... another thing that I wanted to bring up. But Ben,
1: you go first and then I'll ask my question.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to add that essentially as an audio engineer or as like the, the whole audio landscape is is trying to recreate what we do in our minds because when we are out there listening to stuff, we constantly filter and focus our attention to different stuff. I mean, if we are in a crowd and we talk to each other, we might not notice the glass clinking from the bartender or maybe the door swinging open. But if you have like a microphone and listen to the recording after, you notice a lot of stuff in there. And it's all like the real raw recording, but your mind doesn't work like that. So um, essentially, you, you have to pay attention to what, what do I want the player to focus on? And you have to balance that a lot because, uh, as you already said, um, if you turn up all the stuff that's anxiety-inducing, because that's essentially a sensory overload. So yeah, you can you can really shift the focus of, of the player just by lowering the volume of some sounds and and uh, yeah, making other sounds louder and maybe even play with the contrast, maybe even have, like, a dripping sound, but there's no source of water whatsoever everywhere, and the player starts looking for something, they clearly hear, like, a really loud drip, but there's no water there, and then you can really mess with their minds a bit. So, yeah, like, giving this, the the, the art of filtering the sound to, or the to focus the sound is really, yeah, it's, yeah, a
3: really tough jump sometimes. Yeah. It's, it reminds me also of the... In, again, in horror uh, games, often where you have this <laughs> uh, uh, child laughter and there's wow. no child, and it's kind of like, why is there the laughter of children here? And it creates yeah. this, yeah, uncanny kind of feel.
1: That's, yeah. that's actually a really good segue into what I was going to ask um, because I was wondering what you guys think of those motifs. Like, there are certain things that we just, it's a sound that we've been conditioned by media to associate with whatever it is you know if you hear uh what's that famous scream that gets used over and over Uh, again Uh, in uh, movies? uh, yeah Yeah. like that sort of thing or you you associate that sound with something you associate the sound of a violin shrieking with like
2: yeah
1: you know but that's not a natural sound it's not what would really happen it's just like we're conditioned to it there's a word that you used earlier ben i think that you said uh sonic psychology and like uh, this, psychoacoustics yeah Psychoacoustic, my, whatever yeah. the fuck no no, no I like, problem it, i actually it's... like my word too yeah, <laughs> i just made up a new word
2: <laughs> i'm totally on board with that um let me just jump right in and uh, yeah. those motifs i think it's the same with, with filmmakers with visuals you can play with them you can use them but i think where it gets really interesting is when you have a chance to or have the freedom to play with those motifs so for example if you have like the the laughing baby motif thing mm-hmm. and you build it into your horror game and then there's really a baby there and then everything is fine and the player is constantly wondering what the fuck is going to happen next and nothing happens and then you get him with another scare or something um i think that's yeah just like in filmmaking with with different like styles or visuals that we are used to you can play with those but it's also yeah it might also be just like uh, a Western culture thing, Eastern culture thing, because you have different motifs there. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the same for sounds as well. Not just with the visuals stuff. Um, In the last couple of years, I was trying to get into more obscure kind of films and films from Russia and films from China, like not the blockbuster movies, but the the old ones, the classics, trying to talk to people and getting, like trying to get a picture of what is universal and what is not universal, because For example, bullet time is something that is used in a lot of Western media and was also used in China. But um, then there are other motifs that are just like Western style and you can make this association if you are used to a lot of Western media. But if you're in the East, you don't get it and it doesn't really do the same for you. So, yeah, I'm trying to find different kind of styles and maybe mix them and trying to find those those specific motifs from, from other cultures I've maybe even never even heard of. So yeah, that's always an interesting hunt for me. Yeah.
1: It's, it's really hard to find things that haven't been tainted by Hollywood, right? Like, so you, you have to find like these very yeah. isolated because you watch, Oh, this is a Russian film, but like that director, what what were the movies he was watching typically it's.
2: Yeah. I mean the new ones, hmm. but I, I really, I'm talking about going back to the sixties or seventies and going back oh, to like, the old stuff.
1: and stalker and all that kind of stuff yeah
2: yeah that that's also i mean they influence each other i mean there's the american version of stellaris and they're they're going back and forth now and it's it's getting a bit mixed together especially with with internet stuff but Mm -hmm. if you're thinking about like countries like north korea which it's really horrible but their filming is just straight propaganda stuff and it's totally different from ours and watching that and just trying to understand what they are doing is also really interesting and yeah. also like um, I think Indian movies uh, are um, what's what's called Hollywood. Hollywood style movies the, yeah. the old ones that try to emulate Hollywood but then went off in a completely different direction are also very interesting especially the early ones so yeah it's not everything is tainted by Hollywood I think that's just like our perspective so you can find some really nice and strange French or Spanish movies that are really unique and have their own style. But yeah, you have to dig a bit. That's, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. What, what are some examples of like, it could be a film or a game or or whatever that you guys consider to be like, you know, particularly good work or something that you re- reference a lot and think about a lot in your, in your own work.
3: As in, that the sound was exceptional, or that in like this is just a game that has meant a lot to a lot to me, or something. Oh, I mean, you can we
1: can talk about all that's uh, you know what what means a lot to you too. But I'm specifically right now I'm referring to yeah like, yeah you know Almost like this it. is like my you know a uh, golden standard for great sound design or something like that, or even just the sound itself, like just something you noticed. Mm-hmm. Ben looks like he's gonna like rip his microphone off.
2: <laughs> no, I can I can jump on that if you have to think yeah. a bit about it because um, when I when I think about games and sound, the the first thing that came to mind uh, almost instantly was uh, Soma, which is oh, like a yeah. psychological horror so, kind of same game team that, that did
1: Penumbra, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, and yeah, I think that's a game that everyone needs to play, especially because it's for, for me it's just a masterpiece. But they also had li- like this, like we talked earlier, they had. Amazing room tones and amazing, like an amazing pressurized feeling of the the whole world that was going to just swallow you up, and uh, that is a game that really influenced me a lot because the first time I played it, I was just blown away from all the experience and the story, but the second time I played it and really tried to, yeah, analyze a bit what they did with sound, what they did with the writing, and even with like reverb types and stuff like that, and try to get into this, and that's. That's one example I I can point out right, right away. And just because I just saw it yesterday, Dune was like a masterpiece in sound design. Mm-hmm. I watched it yesterday in the cinema, and I, I will going I'm I'm going to watch it again, and maybe even a third time, just because of the sound. Because that yeah, I mean, it was just right.
1: Now that the story perfect. is out of the way, you can pay attention to all the little yeah. details. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah ex- exactly. the The first yeah. the first time was just was just blowing me away, and then I I watched uh. A special on the audio team and they got like the, the freedom to do some research and development before the actual production so they really had time to go into what the music would sound like, what the sounds would sound like, what they should evoke what kind of feeling they should evoke and I mean the the film is like two and a half hours and yeah. it's slow at times, it re- it's really slow if you like look at it objectively but it's always intense in the right moments, it always gives you like the feeling of the the desert planet is a really harsh environment, even if nothing is happening. It's the brooding, low frequency tones and the, the short steps of sounds that are really just perfectly pointed. Yeah. yeah. If make sure you take some spice.
1: Yeah. Make sure you take some spice melange mind. before you go in. That way you can really pay <laughs> yeah. attention. Yeah. <laughs> What's the South Park joke about spice melange? It's, it's like Tom Brady's. Oops, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! Right.
1: <laughs> Almost forgot that one. All right, uh, Jonas, you're on the spot. What What are some good examples for you? Some good stuff that you um,
0: It is a good question. Like uh, at least like three um, things that uh, like one game that I um, particularly enjoyed, um, or particularly uh, I particularly noticed the music in it was like Journey. And how well uh, oftentimes it would just um, you know fade into the the next part of of uh, like the the music as you move through the levels, um, particularly one that I feel they did insanely right, and i'd like to to try and play through it again and again just to figure out when exactly they they move about it's like you have this this part where you' sort of like um, slide through the sand down the city. It's really high paced and this music starts playing. And then you have like at the halfway point, you come out from this tub and then fall down. Um, not not at the end. There's like sort of this place where where you have to to do a little um, like platforming puzzle and then, then you get to move on. But it's like the music sort of swells up. And then just as you go out, like the, the, the camera will make this shot where you have from the side where as you're just... Shooting out in high speed from this place, and then back into the view of the player as you're falling down, and these strings will just like um, build up, and it is timed perfectly with when you come out. It, 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 it they swell up, and then they just stop, and let the reverb fade out, and and it's 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 like one of the games where I feel like that that music, audio, gameplay, uh, and the cinematography as well just meshes together beautifully. To yeah. create this this uh, like short but very tightly designed experience where art and uh, you know the creative and technical aspects just works together to create this amazing experience um, and like particularly the music there was just uh, I was absolutely blown away the first time I played it um, another game I've been playing recently is uh, Ghost of Tsushima and the audio oh. work on that game is just. Absolutely stellar! It's it's <laughs> it's like you you. Uh, I'm, it's like whenever I listen to it, it's so crisp. It's so good. Like when you get on and off the horse, for example, you hear like the leather and everything. Um, it's like they have the movement done right. I don't think they time it to the animation. They just have like the sound of the movement um, uh, as all the little pieces that you would expect to be there. I just. There and you 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 buy the thing, but it's it's very detailed. It's 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 very uh, crisp. It's just it, it sounds good, and everything about that game just sounds good. They they, they did an amazing job. I think they also uh, you know sent their audio team to Japan mm-hmm. to get a lot of recordings um, and a lot of source material, um, so that yeah, and they they absolutely. I think nailed the audio um and a third game um it's like uh, the Kingdom Hearts series in terms of um oh yeah dude. audio design one of the things I got really into I sort of curveballed into um into audio design um so I went back to play it uh some years back and like I really got into the how they they it's basically a lot of the the audio is sort of like uh, pink noise with some filters on it. They make like these wobbly effects when you defeat a heartless, you have this sort of, um, it's, it's basically just a, a filter that they, they sort of wobble with. When you, uh, and, and then they, they, they sort of use pitch and the opening and closing of filters to indicate movements. Um, and so I, I got very into sort of trying to design sounds where it would have some um, you know, source material that was recorded from the real world but then trying to use um design synthesized sounds to sort of add movement, layers of movement in as well. Um sort of became a, a thing I experimented with. Um and yeah, I um I got really hooked on that on on that for a while. Uh, it was very fun uh trying to listen to what they did and trying to recreate some of the sounds. Um also, because like they, uh, you know, back during that time, they wouldn't have had all the tools or even like the the, uh, the amount of storage on the PlayStation Two back in the day. Uh, they did not have the same luxury as we do today. Um, so so <laughs> it was kind of funny delving into some of these ways they they, they circumvented that and, and worked with these limitations uh, that I thought was very really cool. It's funny you
1: bring that up. I was talking with a friend earlier about happy's humble burger farm and we we're like trying to figure out like why is this demo like 20 gigs and the same problem with titanfall as well it's because of the fucking music and the sound is like all like uh, uh, you know it's uncompressed wave files and it's just all of it and, like bam everything because it meant a lot to whoever was designing it and i'm sure in john of the shreds case it was hugely important to him that the music sound kick ass in, in that particular game um Manus, do you have a, a point of view? Or a, uh, any, anything that stands out to you?
3: Uh, I was actually going to bring up Ghost Tsushima as well. Uh, Damn. It <laughs> uh, was a nice Sonic experience. Uh, I guess from a game I've recently played, uh, um, Spider-Man has a, some fun oh, yeah. sound design. Uh, for example, yeah. when you swing down, um, it's it's the nibbest Spider-Man for ps4 i don't know uh but yeah um the feel like the sound of when you swing down and you get real close to the to the cars on the road you get this kind of a uh, kind of Doppler effect uh that's really uh, well made i think um and another recent game i guess uh subnautica has been fun oh. uh, yeah it, it uses yeah. sound uh, heavily to create this feel of uh of a, of a, like kind of a greater world, um, and also it relies heavily on sound for its uh, like horror esque moments, where you can suddenly feel like oh shit there's something in the deep. Um, uh, so I think yeah they utilize sound in, in in a fun way, and I guess the last example uh, is more of the music and the mood, but Diablo uh, Two. Uh, I'm a great great fan of Diablo Two. And yeah uh music from Matt Allman, uh and the mood of the entire game is is really uh it just does something for me, and I don't even know if I wanna say it's like some kind of technical feat uh I don't know if it's if they had any like uh, challenges with audio, hmm. but the whole mood and vibe of the game that is special, like the sounds and the music brings is just just does something for me yeah
1: <laughs> well, it's one of those interesting things like how you know you can go to school and you can like study and be, be like this fantastic tony for example man like this you could be this musician who is like he knows every in and out of how music works but every once in a while you get like an eddie van halen or a jimmy hendrix who just has no proper training whatsoever and comes up with this amazing idea and so like when you're, you know when you're talking about it it's like i don't know if it was this amazing feat or if it's just the magic of what they created, but yeah, like that, that yeah. shit matters.
3: You know? Exactly.
1: And, you know, if you, I always reference the guitar cause I play, but like, you know, there's the guy who can, you know, play every scale known on demand. And then there's the guy who can bend a note, just one note, like BB B. King, mm-hmm. like, bam, you know, like just really yeah. make it hit, hit your soul. And yeah. that's what matters. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. The thing you associate with it, or is the thing that makes you feel that you can't really touch. Right. Um, just, just going back uh, like a couple of minutes to the Spider-Man game. That's that's something. Um, the f- I think the first one. I, I don't know if the newest one did it as well. Um, they recorded the the voiceover for the Spider-Man character, or for the player character, uh, twice. Once running and once walking. So if mm-hmm. Spider-Man is talking and you start sprinting, you get like the other voice line where he's out of breath. Oh, and yeah. the first time I realized that, I was like, "What the fuck?" I mean, it's like the double of work for the small effect that most people probably don't really notice. But that really got me because that was something that is always irks me when when a sound doesn't quite fit. Like for example, your character is like blasting away and talks to his teammates like in a normal room tone like voice. <laughs> they obviously can't hear them. Or you're sprinting. And he's very calmly talking through his dialogue. That's something that you really don't notice if you don't yeah, pay attention to it. But if someone takes the time and extra effort to make it really pop, that, yeah, that can heighten the immersion a lot. And yeah. that, was, that was a great point with Spider-Man. That was the first time I saw it ever. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind
0: of it's, it's like the thing with, with audio. It's often that when it goes well, you don't notice it. But if something is off and it sticks out like a sore thumb, and, and yeah, that was, that was one of the things, like if you're up on a perch, just looking out over the city and nothing is happening, then it's like, uh, oh, yeah, he's just talking <laughs> normally. But it, it, especially when you're just swinging around and it's like, uh, hey, you're late for work. And it's like, oh, yeah, uh, I'll be right there. And, you know, you sort of, you know, you feel the effort and everything just, you know, fits together. But, you know, because we expect that, we don't really notice. And, yeah, it was it was really uh, – I. I remember hearing about that and, and then i was like really and then i checked it out in the game and i was like damn my god yeah. <laughs> they, they uh they, they were thinking about you. everything there or maybe maybe they just had the one voice line and they just realized late in production like "Ah, oh, we're gonna need you to do it all over again but <laughs> you know <laughs> like you're out of breath so <laughs>
2: that must have been a, a very intense recording session <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's mindful yeah. of breath maybe on a treadmill or something um, yeah. I think the, the Guardians of the Galaxy game the newest um, does this as well I think I'm not really sure if it's a technical thing where they where they change something but you have like a normal talking voice then like a shouting talking voice if the character is away from you so they have a lot of dialogue in that game and depending on where you stand um, from your teammates um, he's either shouting or talking normally and yeah, I think they have, even have three different kinds of of voice lines. Um I haven't checked it out if it's like a technical thing if they just turn up the volume and make some kind of effect on it, but that's also something that yeah, seems to catch on which I really like.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's also um I actually noticed this uh, with with Spider-Man as well. Um the animations too uh where it's like uh, if you if you sip to a point, um, if you're far away, it's like if he just went like you know in a straight dive all the way, it would sort of feel weird. Where sometimes he will do the thing where he, you know, uh, does like a he rolls around or does some kind yeah. of stunt, depending on how far away you are from a point. And also when you land, how much force is going into that? It's like for all these little interactions. They they. Uh, um, yeah, it, it, it is, I find it very amazing. Like oftentimes, how how much that if you're not really thinking about it, you, you're just kind of taking it for mm-hmm. granted. But it's like it, it's one of these things where you know the, the technical aspects and the creative aspects just yes. blend together. Exactly. Uh, reminds me and of, and uh, Sorry. sorry. Uh, no, go on. That's fine. it's just
3: that it, it reminds me also of uh, uh, Automata, uh where they um, uh, they developed. Uh, a oh, yeah. reverb system where it, it constantly uh, uh, shoots out these uh, raycasts from the player character and yeah. these raycasts hits uh, different uh, uh, objects in your scene and um, then it measures how close uh, the points are to the player and what material did they hit and then it uses all these data to, um, to change the reverb so it sounds like uh, accurate to where the player is, if it is like a tight hall, then the reverb would be in one way. If it's a big hallway or something, maybe it's a it's a huge reverb or something. And it's it's not really a like reverb is is important and it sure sells like the spatiality of a, of a place uh, and puts it in a in a room in a way. But still, it is a, a, an effect. I I think a lot of people don't think about at all. Um, yeah. They would probably think about it if it's not there, but at least they would know that something is, is well, kind of off. But just like the sheer effort of making such a reverb system for something that most players wouldn't be really uh, yeah, thinking of, I think it's really nice. It's just like what Jonas is talking about, um, where it's like um, so much effort well, what feels like so little can be very. Uh, it's very
0: yes. The uh, thing that you, you notice it when it's missing and, and that's kind of like, uh, you know, as we talked earlier about like when you just remove all sound, then you notice that there's yeah. no sound. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like one of the things as well when, when you, you have like the creative side to when you are designing um, audio Um, but that's, that's also like, because the implementation, the technical sides and the systems that have to play back that audio, um, for example, like a classic example is is if you have like a laser and you need like this loop to be playing while you're firing a laser and it's, you know, if, if you make sound for a movie, you just make the damn laser as, as you know, it's okay. It's playing for uh, about three seconds and it stops. Yeah. But in a game, it's like, no, you need to break the sound down into a starting section, a loop, and a release. So like when the player pushes down the button, you don't know how long they're going to be holding that button. Um, So you break it down into pieces, and you also have to think about the sort of implementation and the audio solutions that that you're working with. Uh, And (laughs) oftentimes, it's like, you know when when we're working with with things um like sometimes we it's like okay are, are there some tools that we already have that would allow us to do a certain thing for example or do we have to uh develop a specific system to do this particular thing that we're trying to do in you know it might be like a custom event that that's happening and it's 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 sort of like more elaborate um and then you're like, okay, we need to talk to the coders because uh, we need to access certain things. And it's, it's like one of the, one of the first things um, uh, I remember being being told was more like, oh, you know, um, we don't like like we wanted to, of course, do good work, but it's like ah, you know, if you're thinking about some elaborate systems, like say the the reverb system for Neotomata, for example, it's like we don't need anything fancy. But like my immediate response was the sort of that's not. Up to me, that depends on what you're doing. Like if you, let's say, you just having a vehicle, like a, a car, um, making the audio for vehicles is, is like notoriously hard. It's like we, we don't decide how fancy this is. We just need the systems to be there to allow us to make the sound like you would expect. Um, yeah. And so there's both the, yeah, the, the technical aspects or like production and, and post-production of, an, of, of, of a sound. And then you have implementation um which is like particularly well depending on the sound right and, and 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 what you actually need like one shots you can basically just oh when this happens play this one shot sound but but again like with the laser or with with vehicles for example it's it's like okay we need some systems that can do a lot of things can can check for like is is uh, let's say how fast is the car running are you braking? And then, if you want, like s- the sound of, like s- uh, when when the, when it's um, drifting, for example, you want the sound of the tires. If you are suddenly in the air, uh, you know y- you have to track how far we are. When how how fast are we coming down? They're all like the physics as well. When the car hits the ground, it's like okay, we need the sound of of like the chassis and and the wheels hitting the ground and the the engine going like and and the car stabilizing again and like all these things that you have to take into consideration, um, <laughs> and that's where you know you're sitting there as, man, but I'm sound designer. This is I really need some help from the coders.
1: <laughs> so that's why I like the Dukes of Hazard because they just destroyed the car, and that was all they needed to yeah. do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you have stuff like your tires blown out, so okay, you're yeah. running on yeah. the metal sound, so the mm-hmm. rear left wheel has to sound like metal. And if the system can't do it, you have to make some kind of bogus sound that sounds a bit like it. Depending on yeah. You can't really pinpoint it to the wheel, then you have like a okay, one tire's blown out, play this sound. Yeah, you can you can get away with a lot of stuff, but as you said, you you notice it when it's not there and if you get to a certain point, it always sounds good to most people. But when you add on to that, then people will also say it just sounds good, but it will feel better. And yeah. People that, that really drive this point home is uh, like the Star Citizen um, sound guys. I, I don't know if you have uh, seen any behind-the-scenes sound effect stuff from from those guys. But they are really setting up systems because they, they have these intricate engines with the whole physics in there with uh, a a spaceship behaves differently on the ground and in the atmosphere and in the lower atmosphere and the higher atmosphere in the space. So they have thousands of points of data and yeah, basically the Audi team was like, nice, we can use all these kind of data points to change our sounds. And they have a really intricate system of where they sometimes just have one sound that is used in a thousand different ways, depending on, the air drag and the speed and the atmosphere and the weather effects. And you can use EQs and you can use like pitch shifting and you can use even more intricate kind of starter effects or something else. And um, yeah, they, they really took this to a, an amazing level and always when I watch those videos, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not really jealous of that kind of job because that's like, I mean, you have, you have to make a thousand, sounds or something for like a vehicle and then they all have to fit all these different criteria they have to sound good in every iteration in every kind of damage type of the ship in every kind of atmosphere and weather and you have to test it like probably for hours that's a really a really crazy example and on the other end of the spectrum you have these like competitive games like um, blizzard did with um what does the shooter call overwatch yeah they did this um threat-based audio system, which I really yeah, yeah. there's a talk Ooh. on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I probably guessed that you guys saw there's a, a, that as well, but for people that didn't see it, the, the basic gist was, if someone is right behind you, um, but it's a teammate, you don't really hear that sound loud, um, and if someone is shooting um, right in front of you with a really weak weapon, but like 10 meters away someone is loading up a rocket launcher that sound gets amplified because it's more dangerous and um, then you have have the whole point of making different footsteps for different types of enemies so if you're really good at the game you can hear from the sound who's coming from around that corner is that a like a, a class that's really dangerous to me or not should i switch weapons or not and yeah, that was really a masterclass in in sound design for like utility. I would say not realism at all, but for competitiveness. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah,
0: that's it's kind of it's kind of like the same thing with uh, like we mentioned before, like bringing in sounds to to a, a sort of like an, a natural level, uh, because like yeah. you're, you're sort of like the finest function of a of a sound designer is to make sure. You know, you, you make like this audio. We have like these hierarchies, like what which sounds are the most important, um, and so uh, you know which sounds should duck others. For example, you know, as you yeah. said, like in Overwatch, it's like you you hear the footsteps like unnaturally loud, and so you know, oh, there's an enemy approaching me. Like if if they're naturally loud, it's like you're supposed to 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 notice them, uh, and that's also yeah, again using that that sort of. Uh, you know the these um uh, psychoacoustics as well in 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 this beautiful way uh, to to yeah. in a more um sort of like this Sonic utility psychology. gameplay <laughs> gameplay approach um but yeah yes, it's
2: it's, it, it's this, it, the spidey sense it's like the like you're yeah yeah you really have it you you can you can listen through walls you can you can hear footsteps even if someone is like firing a minigun right on your right ear it's a teammate so you hear the footsteps louder which is totally unrealistic and wouldn't happen at all but it's yeah it's very important for the gameplay and it's it drives the point home and it makes it an excellent game and an excellent experience yeah. and yeah that's the kind and of decisions I, you have to make yeah.
3: it's also interesting because it's uh, it's kind of at a point where the the like uh, feedback information of the sound is more important than again Uh, the realism of it Uh, so it's more important for the player to hear enemy footsteps even though it doesn't make sense in real life Uh, Mm. it's kind of really interesting also how you can can constantly uh, give players the the right feedback too so they can instantly uh, respond to something
0: yeah another oh sorry go on no you first Okay, like an, another very interesting, um, well, not interesting, I guess it, it, a very classic way of also uh, using that is sort of like when you have dialogue. Say you have like a battlefield and there's like bombs falling and, and you know, planes just flying uh, overhead and there's like guns and screams and everything. But it's like, as soon as the dialogue starts playing, it's like music, everything will calm down so you can actually hear what, you know, your orders and what you're being told, even though normally, you know, you'll be like, Screaming at each other's faces, you wouldn't be able to to hear anything, and it's like what? But no, no, no! Like we just turn the volume down. It's like that, bombs outside.
1: Yeah, not, not, don't worry about it.
0: Great if example. Really good.
2: You can you can mix it just the right way that it still sounds like the, the person screaming at you. Yeah, you would, but it's loud enough that you can understand it. And finding that right spot, sometimes I I I really take a lot of time on balancing that kind of stuff um, to to make it not as absurd as it would be when someone is talking next to you and it's, it's a really loud voice, uh, a really low volume voiceover um, that can make it really comically and make it really shitty. So finding that right spot where it's just not too annoying and, and just feels right. It's yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it Like if you don't, it can sort of get cartoony in a sense when you want a yeah. more serious yeah. moment. So yeah, sometimes you want to be yeah. really subtle with it. Um, I am definitely more of a fan of that approach to like having this sort of side chaining effect, uh, where the the dialogue signal just you know slightly pushes down uh, all the other signals in the hierarchy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's 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 absolutely necessary. But like fine tuning that kind of side
1: chaining is yeah that can take some time sometimes. The, it's one of those things like the classic is the nightclub, right? Like you're in a nightclub. And, like, yeah. whoever designed the sound, you know, for this nightclub <laughs> has obviously never been in a nightclub before because you're just sh- screaming at each other. Like, I, my favorite thing to do is, like, when I'm, you know, I went out to a country bar recently and I'm just, like, the music's blaring and then my friend's trying to talk to me. He's like, I don't understand a fucking word you're saying kind of thing. But in a, in a movie or a film or in a game or whatever the fuck, you always have the option to just play with, you know augment reality a little bit for convenience and and that's a part of it too because as you said at the very beginning of this conversation it's not always about what's realistic it's about telling the story effectively and what feels right to yeah, the yeah. person viewing it or hearing it uh, anime does this all the time like tr- tremendously where they're just like you know there's a super saiyan fight going on or whatever and then they're just like t- all the sound is gone ominous noise and the two characters are just talking to each other <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that that's what makes yeah. anime so special is the yeah. fact that they can do that. And it's not weird. It's just like, this is our way of telling the story and moving yeah. the plot they along.
2: Disregard reality and go from yeah. there. And that's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's you nice will not
0: character. defeat me until I have had this monologue <laughs> <laughs> to be continued.
1: Yes. Me? That's like the <laughs> classic, like Dragon Ball Z episode is like the, the five or six filler episodes between <laughs> you know, thing like <laughs> in the fight. they're just like telling each other, like, you don't understand how bad I'm about to whip that ass. And they're like No, I'm telling you, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you, dude. I'm gonna throw you into the sun. And then to be continued, and then they do it again for like four more episodes. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Like the man really is like,
2: <laughs> One punch man really is like the for me it's like the highlight of the whole enemy kind yeah. of thing. Because it already took like a like a really weird and out of reality kind of style and made it even even more absurd yeah. and yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. That was like a highlight. And they also made a lot of interesting sound choices in there.
1: So can I bring up a game that I like and have you guys poke fun at its sound design or at least like tell sure. me what, what why it's I shit think about a idea. it's total shit. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> That's okay yeah. because what I'm gonna say is Quake uh especially Quake two. And then, derivative of the Quake 2 engine is Warfork, obviously, the Q Fusion engine. Uh, the sound design in these games is like very, un- it's not realistic. It's not based in reality at all. It's all about, you know, like what's what makes a great esport. You know, you brought up Overwatch earlier, and they, they do a lot of work to do this, but like getting all the way back to ground zero here. One of the things that's really special about the Quake 2 engine is that like if you're playing 1v1, right? You you and me, whoever you are. Uh, if you make a noise at all, I can hear it. You know, as, as long as I've turned the music off, which every arena FPS player knows, you turn the music off, right? And and I'm listening for your footsteps or I'm listening for you to make that grunt sound. And this is something that professional Quake players do all the fucking time. Like they're really smart about it and it's a huge part of the game yeah. is like you know if you hear that grunt sound that they just either skipped a step somewhere or they fell off of something and so like uh if you're if you're on like dm6 or you know a map like that i'm sorry if i'm talking about you know quake shit that you guys don't care about but you know ideally you know where someone you know you last saw them here you hear a noise now you have new information (sighs) yeah yeah i am and it's so cool um in general, and quick, I'm probably the one of the most notorious amongst my friend group. About, I will play the game 100% silent until I'm trying to kill you. Like I'm very meticulous about. Like I know how to go down the steps just the right way. I know how to like not fall off a shit, and I know how to just like walk. Because you will not know I'm coming until I am ready to kill you. Until I have full on item control. And- <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's very I haven't played enough of Quake to really mm. give a truly informed opinion, but it's it's very much the kind of thing where you know, because audio holds a lot of information, you know, like uh, mm. yeah, jumping, walking, running, all of these things. Like you know what the other player is, is doing just from paying attention to to, to the sound. Right. And again it, it it taps into that thing where where um like the finest function of the audio is to convey gameplay-relevant information. Um, and uh, and yeah, as long as you you sort of do that, and also, you know, of course, dress a sound up. Like, for example, pickups is a great uh, example of sounds that, you know, where you, you associate like health pickups or armor pickups mm-hmm. or, or ammo pickups. Um, like from the sound, you, you differentiate and, and hear... Uh, I know what you picked up, even if you weren't really looking, you were just walking into it, you know, like, oh, cool. Like yeah. I, I, that was a whole thing. It happened to up. me in a duel
1: very recently where like I'm, I'm in uh, campgrounds, right? The the quake three map, you're walking yeah. across the bridge where the, uh, you know, you go from rocket launcher and there's a bridge that overlooks where the red armor is the, the main armor of the game. And uh, you walk out there and everybody knows this. If you hear the other guy, cause he's timing it in his head, right? He knows 30 yeah. seconds or whatever the fuck. He picks up that armor, and you hear, "Oh, he got it!" And you just back Shit. up. You don't go. You don't engage, or you do, depending on you know how stacked you are. But you get what I'm saying. Like that's yeah, that's truly valuable information, and and in PvP games, it's extremely important to get it just right and to get the audio levels just right.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's nothing sure, worse yeah. like like counting slightly wrong, and you walk over like the spot where the rocket launcher is supposed to spawn or the armor is supposed to spawn, and th- that sound isn't coming, and you're like, "Fuck!" Totally out of your rhythm. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, I played a lot of Quick, quick Three as well, but uh, not at, uh, to that level that I turned off the music. Actually, I I listened to thrash metal or death metal while playing it, and I just enjoyed the speed and the sheer like chaos of it. So mm-hmm. not really competitively, just like friendly, but. Yeah, that, that kind of, especially the, the item pickups or, like, hitting an armor and hearing if you hit the other player, oh, that he has an armor on or something like that, that's uh, a really important part of the
0: competitive gameplay, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is, uh, it's amazing. No, uh, I was wondering, Ty, uh, have you played, um, because my brother, he keeps going on about, uh, and I have played it a bit, there's um, the game called Hunt's Showdown. No. Do you know that?
1: No. My friend Jahar plays that game a lot. And so mm, oh yeah, it.
0: Jahar. Yeah, yeah. Like one of the cool things they they have done that game is that um, they they use audio a lot. Like you have, uh, for example, if if you have like a, 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 some birds sitting around uh, somewhere, and you you know just move into them, they will make a sound. They will fly in a direction, and people will know because you're all trying to get to this. There's like a monster that that you will all try to hunt and kill. And you will try to get the boundary, and then, you know, get to like, um, get out of the map, basically, to, to sort of like an escape point. Um, but like, one of the things is, is, is they use audio in all these ways where if, if you run, uh, you're louder, you can sneak to be, uh, of course, to be, they can still hear you if they stop up, you know, but... but uh, and if you move through water as well, it's like you become very aware about every little sound in that game and what it's making and what it's telling the other players about your position, where you are, and if you're trying to sneak up on them. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of reminded me of that when you talked about Quake. Um, and that that's uh, it, it's a it's actually a really cool game um, that I have been. Meaning to, <laughs> to actually buy and play with my brother because he's been bugging me about that for a long time.
1: <laughs> well, I have to get together after this and play. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fun.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. I was looking Before- forward to taking some time for this as well because I, yeah, yeah I, I I noticed in the gameplay videos that uh, especially like you talked uh, about, the, you have like the different water sounds. You have like the the different environmental sounds. Where if you get used to the game and the Sonic landscape, you can just like you said in quick, you can listen to the sounds and hear where the players are. Maybe they're surrounding you. Maybe they are planning something you already know in your head. How to how to react to that. That's, uh, yeah, it's amazing.
1: That's something that um, Warfork and Quake 1 share. It's like one of those things that just made it all the way through. And, and other games too, because everything's, every, fucking everything's based on the Quake engine for some reason. <laughs> uh, because John Carmack is a genius. But yeah, the there is no footstep sound. Like, they don't exist, you know, in, unless you're moving really fast. So it's kind of generally assumed in a game like Quake or Warfork that you're strafe jumping all the time. and The, the sound of you moving is up 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 or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And so people will play it, you know, like that, with the assumption of, like, I'm just going to move lightning fast and they won't ever know where I'm at. And one of the genius strategies, or at least my genius strategy, is, like, I'm just not going to do that. I'm just going to be super fucking quiet and make you guess all the time. Is he going to come around that corner or not? And in in reality, I'm off on the different side of the map. I'm picking up all the items and I'm gonna come get you. But things like you said earlier, like sometimes the the, the lack of sound is just as important as the presence of sound. And I mean Thelonious Monk famously was the guy who said like the notes that you don't play are just as important as the notes that you do play. And are there are there instances like that where you have ever like just decided like we're going to omit something that seems obvious because it plays into the mechanic of what I'm trying to create or the game that I'm trying to, you know, uh, sell to people. Mm. <laughs> ben, ben is always like, I have an answer, but I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> like,
2: No, really. I, I, I don't really uh, have an answer as well, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, weird, a, it's a very right? good
1: question. Or like um, in, uh, in Seregnar, You know, when you're, we had this huge argument about whether or not there were going to be footstep sounds. Yeah.
2: As soon as you said, Sir Ragnar, I I instantly knew that you meant footsteps. When we, the first time that uh, Damien mentioned, like, uh, he doesn't want footsteps in there, I was like, yeah, fine, sure. I mean, it's nice because you have, like, the music is in the forefront because Tony's music is just amazing. And I'm just trying with my my sound design to make it, like, just enhanced the world a bit but let the music take the forefront because i i think that's really important especially for that kind of game where you are slowly reading a lot and taking in the environment but after we decided to go with the footsteps just like we said before now you never knew it when it was missing but now you now you know it when you have it um yeah it's really important for grounding the player and there's very yeah i was i was thinking about if i knew another game except for like the quake games where you don't have footsteps but i guess there aren't that many games right i mean it's it was a conscious decision probably because of the tactical aspect of it but yeah i can't really think of another game that that does that and i off the top of my head i can't really think of an example where i did something like that as well we so
0: actually the- we we have like like I probably can't say too much that will reveal exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, what what um, what this is but we have actually worked on something where we have used the lack of sound to uh, uh, we, we have like um, an area we designed um, where <laughs> we, we we had to... And Marios, feel free to stop me if you feel like I am going overboard here. Uh, <laughs> but we have like it, it was designed with this enemy that was go- that is going to be there in mind that we sort of wanted to bring in to uh, as as part of like the environment. And the thing is that um, we, we made it so that that this enemy you can hear. We have like. Um, different sounds that you can hear from different distances. So you can sort of hear like one layer coming in as the enemy is closing in. Then we put another layer that as the enemy is getting closer and Mm -hmm. like the feeling that we were trying to convey here was, was like in the first place, we wanted this area to be abstract, but we also wanted there to be space for you to sort of be able to hear, uh, you know, spatialized as well because the enemy will be moving around like, Oh shit. Um, he's over there now for example right and it's like okay i'm gonna move in this direction and <laughs> and and it can i sneak up on you and you know everything all already sounds sort of abstract and, and and weird and then you have like this these extra layers coming in uh where yeah exactly where you know the absence of it you it's still feeling creepy and and um and yeah, when it suddenly comes in, it's, it's, it's like what we said, it's, it creates this sort of push-pull effect um, during that whole section. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's probably one where, where we, we've used this thing where um, the sudden absence of sound and the sudden appearance of it will, um, mm-hmm. will be able to throw you off.
2: Yeah, that's a really nice idea,
0: man. Also, for the record, Mounds didn't stop me, so if I went overboard, <laughs> it's it's all his fault. I think you're um, good, man.
1: I, yeah. I'm paying attention. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've got, I've got the, inside, uh, the inside scoop, too, so I'm just trying to, like, yeah. right,
0: see what happens.
1: you <laughs> got to be careful with those NDA stuff. Um, no, you I did feel fine. like back you in school, I'm did. the
2: only one out...
1: I, I know everything that we're doing, and I'm not quite sure which project you're talking about. So, you're, I think we're safe. <laughs> no, It'll totally
2: fine, man. It's totally fine. No, but um, I, I think that's uh, that's that's a really good way of, of making something special. But you have to really think about what you what you want to do. Um, mm-hmm. On Skywind, we we have a plan, or we had a plan for a, for a certain type of enemy that's um, more like in the Lovecraftian kind of area where. We want to play with psychoacoustics. And, um, there's Sonic always psychology. Sonic psychology, yeah, sorry. <laughs> just, uh, I, I always get it wrong. But um, <laughs> there's always a lot of... Uh, there's a like a room for making some kind of... Yeah, making just muting player sounds or something that you you suddenly don't hear your footsteps anymore. You suddenly don't hear the reverb of the room or something like that, mm-hmm. where you can really go nuts with it. But yeah, I think it's... I don't think if I think back that I had yet the chance to make something like that because yeah it had, it has to really fit because you can't you can't go too overboard or you make it comically you have to really pick your your certain spots to use stuff like that to yeah to not make it too weird unfortunately <laughs> hopefully one day I can work on a game that's just weird from front to back just make it
1: really <laughs> really strange yeah. So I want to talk about uh, you know like th- I'm a producer. You guys are all sound designers, and like the perspective of when you really feel passionate about something, like you know making it known and trying to talk people into good ideas that you have. Um, a prime example it would what we brought up earlier with with Damian not wanting to put footsteps sounds in Call of Ragnar, because for him it's a very logical decision. He's like, well, we can't have the footsteps of you know we have a party here. We have like four people walking together. You know, and it doesn't make sense to have four footstep sounds because you're playing the game from the perspective of like, you know, a first person thing while acting as a party. And despite that, and though I totally understood his logic, every person that I had, because, you know, when you guys initially came on the podcast, you know, and before I was even involved in the project, uh, Damian gave me a key and I tested out the game, obviously. And then I ran my thoughts by Dave Oshry who had also played it and had a lot. He, we both like had a list of notes that we made about it. And both of us agreed. Why are there no footsteps? It feels unnatural. Yeah. And every single person that I've asked other than Damian felt the same way. Like It's just weird that there's no footsteps sounds. There's no jumping, you know, like there's nothing, there's no player feedback in terms of 90% of what you do in the game is walk or read. Yeah, And so that was like a, a big thing that I pushed back with him on, I'm like, listen, I know you feel the way you do, but hear me out. It'll just feel better for the player if you give in and let Ben make some damn footstep sounds. And then, and then you went nuts and you knocked it out of the park. Obviously, like with all the like you the wet footstep sounds and the gravel and the sand and the mud and you know. But I say all that to say this: like, how do you guys go about uh, making your ideas and your assertions uh, known? To the people who are you're working with, whether they be the director or the producer or just you know the the other guy,
0: bribes definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I have like a bribe fund. Just uh, no. Um, well, uh, like usually we we um, we like to to. Uh, I feel like oftentimes, and of course, managers, you can have some input as well if if you. Have other things you note, but it's like I feel like a lot of the times we we sort of tied into uh, gameplay moments and how you might enhance or communicate better uh, to the player stuff that, that that's happening, um, or uh, and again, like if there's something that just sounds unnatural, where you're like, actually, you know, this would just be a lot of of you know auditory noise that we don't really need. Um, we we always come in from like a position of, you know. Um, sort of serving the gameplay and serving what, what we're actually trying to do, like either a mood or a gameplay moment or something where it's like, this will take away from this mood you're trying to set here, or this thing here will really help, uh, you know, get the, the sort of communicate the gameplay properly. Um, and so we always try to, to, I, I guess um, the point being, approaching it from sort of this game design language that they can understand and, um, and then give sort of the professional opinion and, but also oftentimes come up with, with like a solution as to like, if this might not be so good, however, this either removing this allows us to do a lot more with this other thing where we can really make this stand out and and be really cool and nice. Uh, Or um, we maybe not do this, but we can do this instead. Uh, That is sort of in the vein of what you want. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we always try to sort of, what would you say, not just come up with like a, no, let's not do that, but more, or let's do this. But like, a uh, okay, show that that we have at least our understanding of like the, the gameplay and, and like game design. Um, and also, you know, having studied like game audio and, and delve into these things, like what would be good alternatives or like, ah oh, we get what you're trying to do, but actually this would be a better way of doing it. Um, I feel of oftentimes you know that that gets us uh, very good results um and yeah like like people people take that seriously usually when you're not just like knocking an idea that they have it, i guess it can feel like that um depending on what it is uh, so instead of them They're, having to yeah. swallow their pride it's more like you're sort of trying to um Aid them and and speak in language where they where they feel like that's what you're trying to do and you're trying to accomplish sort of like the same thing. Yeah, um,
1: there's a mastery to that conversation too. It's it's no, not just sure. a matter of like, hey, I think you're wrong and uh, you should change it because usually people don't respond well to that. It's like a yeah, hey, uh, what about this? You know, just consider and consider and what also I'm maybe saying here.
2: maybe you're wrong also. I mean, yeah, it's, it's natural, sure. not like. If you're if you're so sure about yourself, then maybe you might also be wrong and just really stubborn. Um, oh. But but I, I like that approach, and uh, I I can just like yeah say almost the same like show don't tell is always a, a good idea even in sound. Um, for example, if you like want something really maybe complex for integration work, the good thing mm-hmm. is you can just like record a gameplay footage video and just make it like a movie type synchronization of it like hey here is how it would sound with this kind of reverb and with this kind of positioning that would really add to the game just look at it and listen to it and then you can with like very little amount of work show what might be possible with like a, a week or two of programming and then mm. we can almost yeah maybe collectively decide is that is a good idea is it a good idea to spend that much time on it um it would add to the game or it would add to the game but yeah that's sometimes i i I t- or oftentimes I try to uh, see the point that maybe I'm also wrong. Let's just explore it and um, listen to what the yeah, as Jenna said, what what is the core thing that we want to achieve here, and maybe try the approach that I think is wrong and my approach, go in some different directions, try something, just like a proof of concept, n- nothing polished, just knock it knock it out, and then then yeah, collectively. Talk through the options. That's that's always the best approach, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. something
1: that you and I run into a lot. Ben is that like, and, and honestly, Chris is the biggest, uh we'll say, perpetrator, right on the Stellar Valkyrie team. Is that he's a voice actor? He's very self-conscious. Obviously, you know, he knows he's the forefront, the face of the game. Essentially, he is the voice of the game, and he will be so like, you know, we're sit- he, he comes to my house and we'll just sit down and talk, and he's like. I need you to let me know if you guys like don't like something. Like if, you, if I need to do another take and I feel the same way about you, you'll do that too. We're like, well, what do you guys think of this? And I'm like, we all just think you're great. Like, <laughs> We all just think you're tremendous and just do what you do. And we'll let you know, if you ever fuck up, we'll let you know. But otherwise like we all like it. <laughs> and it's from a producer standpoint, it's like, I really try to always just, you're the expert. You're the sound designer. You know what the fuck you're doing. Unless I feel strongly about something, my job should be to do nothing. Hopefully, or rein you in if you get out of hand. That's it.
0: Yeah, and it, it's. I, I think Ben also stated, like definitely having that. That like you might be wrong. I feel like the, mm-hmm. the the best, like the approach will usually take this sort of like having like a, a dialogue, like um, like speaking on pure like audio terms, like this might miscommunicate things. Um, but also try to, again, get them to talking like what, what are they trying to do exactly? If, because the more precise they can be about what it is that 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 they they want, the better we can sort of say, okay, um, maybe we have like three ways of doing this thing. And it's like, okay, so uh, we could do this or, or this or this. You could try that out. Does that work for you? And sort of, and or maybe we mentioned something that we could do. And they're like, oh, if like, perhaps if we can do this, perhaps we could design this like they'll get another idea, and you sort of get their input again, and and because you want you don't want to to remove them from the decision entirely, um, especially in sort of like game designing and, and, and gameplay terms. Like you want to 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 get them to give input. You know, you, you're more like making suggestions, not demands, uh, while Correct. still you know uh, sort of also kind of consulting in a sense uh, about what would what would you say what would be considered? like again if if, if you have um, um if you have a situation where you, where you already know that okay if we start doing this where all of these little things will each have a sound um then very like if you have like a group of uh, let's say enemies um yeah. and they're like oh we'll just put a, a, some footstep sounds on each and it's like one that won't sound natural two one of the things that that you that that people will often do, like uh, a trick as well, is let's say you have um, five enemies approximately close together. Then uh, what will often be done is that they will have the system where they check like what are like the three closest enemies may have, and and then you know they say oh only these three enemies will actually play footstep sound, so you don't don't get this c- cacophony of sounds from all around mm-hmm. you. You get like the sounds that are important to you gameplay-wise and what you actually want to know. And that's like one of the things where, where you can be like, you know, you go in and you say, oh, actually we don't, just, we nearly want to just put like footstep sounds on, on everyone when this particular case comes up. Like we want to be careful. Um, if we have situations where there will be like a group of enemies and a lot of them, we want to set things up this way. Um And... uh so so it all depends on like you know if if you have like just some enemies spread out then of course it's like ah in this situation we won't need it but if they have like a uh um like a horde of zombies or something that's all coming together it's like oh how about perhaps we can make like just this one audio cue just using this one voice but having be like at the front of this horde of enemies that's just charging at you um, so that you know it's more performant we say voices and we can make like a, the sound of a group of enemies instead of making individual sounds that won't sound like a group of enemies. Um, it's yeah, like you it's know um, you have the idea of uh, uh, it's Walter Murch's uh, the rule of two and a half where it's like in a movie and also in games um, if you have like one person walking, in like a shot, you want to sort of synchronize the sound of the footsteps to that guy. If you have two people walking, you want to do the same thing. But as soon as you have three or more, you just want like the sound of footsteps. You don't want to synchronize them all because it's going to sound weird, and, and the brain will sort of fill in the rest for you. And that's sort of like the idea. Like if you have just a horde of enemies and you know they're always going to be clumped together, let's just make that one audio cue that's just like a sound of this group of enemies that are just closely lumped together with a whole lot of like footsteps, we don't need to, to time them. We don't need to check each time an enemy actually uh, takes a step, like, you know, calculate the, the material, uh, what sound needs to be played, and all that. We can just make like this one sound that's just there on them when they move, uh, for example.
2: Yeah, the, the group sound effects. Huh? Yeah, that ties in in the, in the whole uh, silence is important uh, area and like, especially. Just like you have like a limited space visually, you always uh, also have a limited space uh, in audio because you can't just play everything at once, and you have to pick your stuff and you have to let things, yeah, let the mind fill in the blanks um, as you just said, and um, yeah. But going back to like uh, how to communicate with designers or maybe decision makers, what I found—I I don't know what your experience is, but my experience is—I found it really hard to have a common language about sound because visually mm. i think if you oh, if you go to youtube God. you have uh, lots and tons of tutorials on how to shade stuff how to make shadows how to make outlines all those all those words like outlines shadows details that's everyone knows about that but if i talk to people and say do you want it to sound warmer or do you mm. do you want me to make it shiny, or do you want me to make it whatever word I use to describe some different kind of sound effect? If I say crystallized, do you know what I mean? Probably yeah. not, because is there like a common dictionary? No, not really, it, right?
3: It's fun to notice that almost all the descriptions for sounds are from other senses.
0: Yeah, so yeah. something
3: is hot, something is shiny, which is uh, the visual uh, sense. Yeah, it's never just like audio sense. Which is the fun thing about, um, but also makes it really really hard to communicate about sound. Sound. Can I? Yeah, yeah,
0: sure. yeah,
1: go. I've been I've been raising my hand for a while now. That is one of the most annoying things in design of any kind in general. Like, and even worse because I'm slightly colorblind. So like even even something like make it bluer. I'm like I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But like. <laughs> what's the, the everybody every time there's a game with a shotgun like you shoot it and it's like i don't know it should sound beefier you know what i mean beefier yeah. like what the fuck are you talking about yeah. that it's so difficult to find a common language to describe any sense other than sight you know for anyone yeah. you know like i, I want it to and smell more like onions or i want it to i want this gun to sound and and you're just you as the sound designer are just left to like I don't know what the fuck they want. The only thing they can do is use uh, sim- uh, synonyms and metaphors, or something like it's like this. I want it to sound like
2: yeah, like this. that yeah
1: yeah. And and if you don't have someone who knows what they want, it, it, like for instance, visual design, right? Like uh, if someone's a graphic designer, the smart thing to do is come at them with like three different, you know, a few different choices, and say like which one of these works for you, like a focus group. So. Yeah. Which yeah. one of these is the path that you want to go, and and you kind of gate the customer into what they want because they don't know what they want, or they or maybe they do, but they can't make you understand it. It's like if someone comes to a restaurant and they're like, "Uh, well, I want like this," and like, <laughs> "What is this? What do you want? Steak? Do you want chicken? I, I just." You know, we've all had a girlfriend like that at some point. She's like, I just I don't know what I want for dinner tonight. And you're just like, Well, do you want chicken? You want beef? You want I want, want meat?
0: Vegetarian. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, it's like saying I want meat and it's Preferably like there's so dead. many things this could be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, but um,
2: that the, the thing is with the especially with that with sounds, I find it really hard. Even if I get to the point where, yeah, that's what I want. You have that single sound. And you don't have it in the context, you don't have it in the reverb, you have it like I mean, if you have like a really amazing sound for a shotgun, but shotgun is the second weapon you get, how much better can like the eighth weapon or the final weapon sound? Yeah, have it all. You have to put it into context. You have to put it in the context right.
1: of of the other sounds. That's um, mm. very if, important. If the starting pistol sounds yeah. like a fucking cannon, yeah, then what yeah. does the cannon sound like? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, what does the BFG G sound? Relevant, like? Yeah, yeah. And the the other thing is, I think
2: that we didn't really develop a language yet for sound design because sound design is not really that old if you think about it music the people made music and made sheet music so many years ago when there was no like no film and there was no Mm -hmm. sound design at all and like the first like audio book kind of stuff was was very very late in our
1: I'm so glad you brought up, brought we, up audiobooks because because that's yeah. huge. I've done that before. Like, in the Keep podcast, has put on an audio reading of like Lovecraft before, and yeah. and I realized like as I was doing the read for it, I'm like, I need audio cues, and so I got Amorpher to do it. But like that is such is such a huge part of it. It's yeah. it's not there's no one medium that this applies to. We're we're all you know in the game industry, but like film, TV, uh, audio books or whatever even music calls for you know some sort of sound design it really is sound design it's just musical and it's so complex it's such a complex subject that as you said has only been around for you know it's 2020 now and so this has been around for maybe a hundred years tops
2: yeah maybe and (laughs) classical music is is or music in general or like even like the oral tradition of teaching someone a song is is harking back so many years. And for yeah. filmmaking, you can say, yeah, but filmmaking is r- rather new. But yeah, you had painting. So you know about light, you know about shadows, you know about perspective. That's all, like, there's a whole language associated to it. And most of the people know at least the basics. But if I talk to you about warm or cold sounds, the first time I talked to someone that never had, like, any experience with sound design, he's like... I don't know what sounds warm and what sounds cold. And then you have to give him some examples and then he's like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. But it's it feels like learning a new language. And as I already cold. mentioned, I, I started very late in, in in my in my life to to learn that and that was the first thing that was really annoying to me. There's not really a reference. There's not really a, a dictionary. I can't just pick up sound design 101 and get the basics. It's just like a lot of it is learning by ear and talking to other people.
1: Cold is like high treble weird mid frequency and very little bass warm is like where the bass meets all of the other aspects of the sound in general in my mind like and not yeah. talking from a guitar tone point of view but yeah. like you want a nice warm guitar sound you need like a, a balanced mid and enough bass to just complement the treble but yeah. if you want to make a really cult like a like a death metal you know guitar sound
2: harsh yeah
1: yeah you want that like screaming treble and like you basically take the mid frequency and you do what we call a mid scoop where it's like you basically turn the mid off you know and if if not off then very low so that it's got that crunchy like like sudden sound to it and it's such a it's such a difficult language to speak in unless you're a music producer right unless you're a guy who's fucked around with, like, uh, knobs for 100 years or something like yeah,
2: that. Yeah, but there you have it. You always have, like, the connection back to music because warm yes. and, and, yeah, the whole thing or the disco smile is, is also, like, an EQ setting where you have, like, uh, the low end is pushed, the mids are, like, lowered, and the high end is pushed. That what's the, the, like, disco smile EQing. Yeah. And um, that's all, like, harking back to music again. But we don't have really, like... I don't know if, if there's any word we'll or expression or concept... yeah any any word or expression for like just sound design stuff I, i always try to connect it with like it sounds harsh it hurts in the ears then it's probably more high end and if it's like if you can feel it it's more low end but yeah you always have to try to describe it so i try to make examples as soon as possible just to get in the ballpark so like here are two totally different examples. Where do you want to go? And then we try to associate words to it and try to find a common language. But Mm -hmm. I feel it's with with every like new project, it's, it's almost starting at like 10% again, because so many things are, aren't really, I don't know. I, I, even I don't have the language for it. I sometimes have a sound where I'm like, I love that sound. What's it called? I don't know. It's like, uh, "Mm." and then I just invent some word like, crystallize and then i use that and <laughs> i hope
1: it catches on i have another supporter question that i think is very analogous to what we're talking about right now and i actually would actually like to start with Maunus. hopefully i think you would have the proper answer for it based on conversations that you and i uh you and i have had before yeah. but uh how do you balance sound effects in terms of music this comes from immorfer and it seems that there is a War in the mid-frequency range where the music dominates. So a lot of modern sound effects seem like they cut out the mid frequencies, but to me they sound very empty uh, when that happens, especially compared to sound effects that we hear in the past, like older older games and and, and films.
3: Uh, whew, yeah, that's a big question. Uh, I I could imagine um, that uh, first of all, like music in games have has also, like, progressed a lot uh, from old chiptune kind of stuff to to full orchestras uh, Mm. who fill out the full range of the uh, audio spectrum. Um, But, yeah, when you put all these sounds together, I think uh, a lot of games, they, of course, uh, instantly notice that if you just play all these sounds together, it's going to sound like shit. Mm -hmm. So they use... Like these complicated hierarchies to say, okay, this sounds, these sounds lower, ambience and music and blah 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 blah, and these kind of hierarchies are of course different for from game to game. For example, like a game like Doom, the 2016 uh, version, uh, they had like a an internal talk about like what kind of sounds are the most important one, and I think they found out that the uh, guns. Is kind of the voice of the Doom guy, so because normally dialogue is the most important uh, kind of sound in these hierarchies. It's often the one you, that, if somebody's talking, you want to hear what they're saying. Of course, not. Of course, not so like uh, ambient dialogue. It doesn't really matter that much. But if uh, if you get like a mission brief or something, you, you want to be able to hear what they're saying. Um, so these kind of important hierarchies uh, can can uh, help clear the mix, Um, Mm. especially when a lot of these sounds are in the same frequencies. Um, uh, And yeah, like uh, on the touching on the effect that uh, your patron uh, is talking about, like the, this feeling of, uh, of an empty sound. Um, I can't really uh, bring you an example myself of, of a game where I noticed that I felt like the kind of, uh, sidechain, I guess he's talking about, uh, kind of effect. Would be yeah. Um, would be creating this effect of it being hollow. Was that the word?
0: Hmm. Um,
1: well, his word that he actually used was empty, but yeah, hollow empty. applies.
3: Yeah. Uh, maybe. I, I don't know if he's played some kind of game where they uh, use the the sidechain hierarchies in a maybe too heavy-handed uh, mm-hmm. because they can become noticeable. Also, if uh, I think also uh, Ben, you talked about it earlier where you you I think you mentioned like the balance between you wanted to uh, or oh, what was the example now again. Uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, uh, in a war where you want these people to yell at each other um, uh, where you still want the effect of, oh, it's it's, it's loud. But at the same point, you also want to turn down some of the sounds so that you can hear the uh, dialogue being screamed. Um, but yeah, I can't really say that I, I've noticed any games uh, myself where I think like... Uh, the sound mix became empty or hollow at some point um but i guess i would say it's probably a like too heavy-handed sidechain or something maybe
1: let's say that uh i i know him more first, so I, I think his gold standard like we talked about that a bit earlier just like what your idea of great design is for him it's like doom 64 like a game like that where Aubrey Hodges soundtrack and the sound effects for a Doom game are very in sync, right? So, in that game, like, and I feel this, even, you know, having played the remasters and everything, like, I feel like very little has been changed because it very perfectly works. Like, the music and the game are in the sound to the game, they don't really hurt each other. Whereas, a lot of the time when you play a lot of modern games, you know, the first thing you do is you pop open the sound panel and you let like you adjust the volume to what you want but it's like it's no longer like you know master volume and then you know just straight up sound effects and music you know oftentimes you'll have like dialogue implemented into that you'll have you know a lot of different ideas of like how you, the player themselves can adjust it yeah um, and that may be based on personal experience so it, it uh, i think maybe from his perspective it's like this used to be pretty damn cut and dry. And now we have to allow people to like change their mind or, or adjust their, their user experience um, it, based on what they, you know, what they can pay attention to. Yeah. And that's an, that's a, what I just said is another subject that I meant to cover with you guys, but yeah. for now.
3: It, it reminds me actually uh, of uh, there was a teacher at uh, the sound uh, designer education, uh, the, both Jonas and I went to uh who really uh, disliked the option for players to turn down sounds uh because he was of the mindset that this so- sounds like uh, that the uh, um that you get straight out the box is kind of the the curated experience from the sound designer and it's kind of the uh this it this is how it should sound uh, is kind of what the game is saying like straight out the box and then players can adjust. Maybe they want to turn down the music completely so they can play their own music or maybe they want to just adjust it for their personal listening uh, device. Uh, But I remember uh, it stuck with me that he really disliked that option actually because he, he disliked the idea that the curated experience from the sound designers would be meddled with when, Players would adjust these sliders. Uh, mm-hmm. Has also been a f- always been like a fun fun for for me. Then <laughs> he would get so upset. <laughs> no, not upset, but he found you them spend annoying. so
0: much time mixing it, and then yeah, exactly. And then some I just, <laughs> yeah, like, the mix,
3: right? your shit. I want to yeah. hear the gunshots more. So
2: <laughs> yeah, but I think I mean I'm I'm totally with you or with him on that, but. Um, the other problem is like in the time of Doom 64 or the the first Doom or the first Quake games if you had a PC setup you basically had a 2.0 or 2.1 sound system and that was mm-hmm. it um, maybe headphones but nobody really mixed for headphones nowadays you have mm. in, in good games you have the option of switching between speakers or headphones yeah. especially if you're playing with bina- binaural stuff um, yeah. which is amazing but only works on headphones and then yeah, yes um, but think about setups people have today, um, the different kind of soundbars, the different kind of if you are in a living room with a 5.1 system or a stereo setup or you have a soundbar, if the room sounds really shitty or it doesn't re- sound really shitty, that um, I really appreciate the option of yeah. changing it. Because if I'm sitting in my living room and I can't hear the dialogue and I don't have a slider to adjust that. I'm getting pissed. It might sound amazing if I play it in my studio, but I want to sit on my couch and play it. Yeah. So, yeah.
3: Uh, just, um, just uh, to quickly say, I don't necessarily agree with the his opinion either. Uh, I think it's nice to give. I like. I I really trust that players will make uh, the experience as enjoyable for themselves as possible. Mm-hmm. So giving them these options is. It's, it's really hard to, uh, for me uh, to see it as a bad thing because I think players will always, yeah, find a way. Like, either they don't care and they just play it out the, straight out the gate and then it's the cura- curated experience. And others, if they want to turn down the music or adjust something, then why not? Why not let them do it? Like, as long as you, of course, set it up so that the player can't just, like, fuck it all up and it's just, now it sounds terrible like it's always within the parameter of uh, it sounding. Do you know, like, it, does that make sense? Like, you can't really, for example, like, turn something up so loud that now it's like, oh, shit, it's really fucking loud. It'll always be like, sure, you can turn down. Often in games, you can't really turn sounds up, I've noticed. Usually it's just like you can turn them down but you can Yeah. It's it not at a hundred
2: percent for most. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's
1: that's something that I discussed when I had both Marky, uh, you guys know Marky, right? Um, yeah. For three D girls. And he and Andrew whole both of like, okay, you guys have composed games for, you know, you've composed music for competitive games. And, and like I said earlier, when it comes to arena FPS, I'm turning the fucking music off. Fuck this soundtrack. I'm trying to hear my opponent. <laughs> And they have to swallow that pill of like, yes, I have worked very hard on the sound of this track or whatever the fuck. But in reality, most players are who are serious about the game, most of the people who really seriously engage with this game turn what I did off. Because their role in, in an arena FPS usually is to just like bring in the new people. And that's an important part, but you know... You work so hard on something, like you said, you know, like you, you master it, you make it perfect, you make it exactly what you think it should be. And then someone just doesn't, it's, it doesn't serve a utility to them. They're not buying what you're making. And that could be both painful, but also something that we have to respect as designers in general.
3: Yeah, I agree.
1: Ben?
2: Yeah, but (laughs) you have the option of listening to the soundtrack in your car, but you would never like put in a collection of the sound effects. And listen to it out of the game. But
1: I'll say so, it because I don't, I don't, I don't. I have no fear that Fred is going to, you know, come and hit me with a hammer for this. But like, uh, <laughs> bombshell, right? Gra- yeah. Amazing soundtrack. I'll listen to that soundtrack. Like, I will just put it on when I am listening to music. But uh, there is no chance of me playing that game again. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There is that aspect. The, ties, of, too.
2: the t- ties a bit in the, the question that uh, the, the, the the Patreon had of sound sounding hollow. I think I noticed that as well in some games, not, not many games. And my thinking always was, may, yeah, maybe they fucked up the mix. I, either mm. the sound effects were not good, but, or they fucked up the mix, or maybe it was even intentional to let the music shine through. So the, the sound effects were like EQ'd or toned down to not get in the way of the music. Because mm. I mean, you, if you hear of uh, new games, especially in the last couple of years, you had behind the scenes of the soundtrack, you had a different... Or in Steam, you have the option of playing the game or buying the game or buying the game with a soundtrack. So it has a certain kind of rank, in my opinion, and totally deserved. I mean, I love soundtracks, and I also listen to soundtracks out of the context of the game, if it's really good. And I Mm go out of my way to buy those because I I want those composers to get the extra money because I really appreciate the work. But um, I don't think sound has that kind of yeah, that kind of importance yet. I mean, for some games, for some games, you start to hear like, yeah, in that game had amazing, an amazing soundscape or like, can you remember that one scene, that one boss, that amazing sounds that he made, uh, especially with, I don't know, maybe Dark Souls games or, or other kind of games where you have like specific <clears throat> parts where we talked about later, uh, earlier, the like Ghost of Tsushima, where you really can go on uh, with the sound, but it's, yeah, in the last couple of years, it started to to get to this point. But do we know the people behind that? I mean, I know Jeremy Saul does did the soundtrack for the Elder Scrolls series, and I know that name because I l- read that so often in the promo material and the soundtrack, and on every like yeah occasion, it is mentioned. But like for the Doom games, if 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 it wasn't Gordon you probably wouldn't have heard it, and if it wasn't like involved in yeah. the music as well, maybe. No one would have known who Mick Gordon was. I mean he did good stuff before, but you know what I mean? It's it's like mm. yeah, the music is still the, the, the main player in the in the audio field, which is totally fine, but yeah, that might might end up um giving the sound like a like a second role to play and like having it, to
3: definitely. I've I've noticed that when people also say, Oh, I love the, the game the sounds of this game. Yeah most often they, they're they not talking about the, the game, uh, the sound effects. They're talking about the music. Uh, so yeah, that can be sometimes a little discouraging, but but again, like, I, I guess it's also, uh, I've been thinking about, uh, for example, like um, Slipgate's uh, games and what uh, market it caters to. Mm-hmm. And um, because sometimes people joke around with Sound being like pretty useless, almost like oh, people just turn off the sounds anyway. But, but I think, like, for people who play, um, I could imagine at least, uh, I don't know, I haven't confirmed it, but I could imagine that a lot of people who play uh, the games from Slipgates are, are like older people, like in the f- 30s, 40s, late 20s, uh, and often have like a, a higher income. Um, and a lot of money to spare uh, so if they like games as a hobby, I could imagine that these people also cater to the experience and want to like um uh, make it really enjoyable, so oh I buy a good computer, I'll buy a good big screen, and I'll buy some good speakers, so they kind of um they kind of get the full experience of oh this sounds so good, this looks so good um as opposed to people who's, um, uh, for example, like mobile gaming, where you instantly oh. turn off the sound because you're like, ugh, shut <laughs> up. Yeah. yeah, it
1: sounds so shitty, yeah. Exactly. The demographic is like... Yeah, yeah exactly. what it's also it's like
0: the games made at like 3D Realms and Slipgate, as far as I know, we don't really have like mobile games. They're made for, you know, uh, PC and consoles. And so you know, the, the target demographic there, you would imagine that they would be playing either on like with headphones or speakers. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, definitely I, the statistics, when you look at like mobile gaming and, uh, you know, like the, the, uh, statistically the amount of people who play games with the sounds off when you take the mobile ma- market into account, definitely looks grim. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, again, like the, the target demographic that, that that we're sort of in, yeah. I think um, because like we have gotten for uh, for Graven, uh, for example, um, there are some people who have mentioned the sound design specifically. Yeah. um it's been very very nice, and they yeah. You
3: know, and and my theory around these people is is at least I hope it is like this. Yeah. And I hope that the people who play Slipgate games, uh three D realm games, are uh, people who enjoy like the full experience, sound included.
1: That's an interesting thing to bring up because I semi famously had this argument with Fred last year, like twenty twenty realms deep, when we were talking with Cliffy B, and Fred had this perspective. He had this assumption that you know the people who play. 3d realms and and slip gate games in general are like this crowd of you know guys who are like 30 something you know his age essentially and are you know they have kids now and they've just gotten to that point where they you know like uh, they're comfortable enough in their job but they can come home and they can play these you know retro games that remind them of their childhood and Mm. that's a good demographic there's there's your people who have money and can spend it for sure. But my argument to him was like, that's not the case. Like if you have, you know, you look at the numbers, you look at the people who are actually engaging with this stuff. And I, I feel like I'm a little more on the ground because of the nature of how this podcast works. A lot of the people are those people. And a lot of them are like kids, you know, they're like teenagers, 21 year olds, like that kind of thing. Who were like fucking frustrated with the price of graphics cards these days. You know? and they're just like, fuck this, you know, and, and the price of games in general. It's like, you know, 60, 70, 80 bucks for a new AAA title. And they're just looking for something that like they can play and enjoy. And like maybe their dad or their mom or somebody above them was into Duke Nukem. Hey, this is my story, you know, very specifically. Who, you know, turned them on to this stuff at an early age and then they end up playing these games that remind them of that. And for me, like my dad and I grew up playing Duke Nukem and I carried that forever and I you know Doom came along later, Quake came along you know at the, around the same time Doom did. And I have a deep respect for these retro games not only because they're good, but because they're cheap, they've a lot of utility to them. I can keep playing them forever, over and over again. Um, they're they're not prohibitively expensive, and they're not taxing on my computer. Yeah, right. And I, I have a pretty nice computer. Like I can play Triple Don't get me wrong. I I got a little bit of money in my <laughs> bank account, but you know what I mean. Like I, I'm just saying. Like it, th- there's so much to be explored here, and there's such a huge market out there of people who feel exactly the same way. Like you know, I, I only have this. I can only play the games that fall under my graphics card or my operating system or whatever. And then they end up finding someone like 3D Realms or someone like in the keep um, for that reason. Yep. Sorry, that was kind of long winded. No, no, oh, it's, 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 fine. It's it
3: I, yeah. I've never actually thought about it. Uh, like, because my, my knee jerk assumption would be that it was like a lot of boomers just wanting to uh, play <laughs> the games that they played in their childhood. But I've never thought about, um, like the new kind of, uh, scene for these kind of uh, games, like a yeah. retro revival, uh, um, which like, uh, other uh, game genres have seen a lot of retro revival, uh, uh, a lot of people who've been like, uh, wanting, uh, like a return of the platformers, um. And you see games like uh of like ahead of time. Yeah.
1: The the rare platformers, god. Like there's a, a whole thing on itch.io right now of people that are actively trying to recreate their nostalgia for that genre.
3: Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: There's also the PS1 crew.
2: <laughs> yeah, the haunted, <laughs> haunted PS1. Like, a, yeah, the haunted PS1 crew, which is amazing. Um I just played uh Chasing Static uh Beautiful two, two, two days ago. Gorgeous yeah, very game. beautiful game. And um I'm, I'm more in the like, older de- demographic, um, so for me, I also go back to those games not just because of nostalgia, but because, like you said, like normal games, A titles cost like 60 bucks, my PC has to be beefed up, and um, I have like an unspoken rule for myself that for every AAA title I, I buy, I buy five indie games, just so mm-hmm. I get the right amount of a bit of blockbuster, but mostly labors of love because you can really, you can really yeah. feel that. I um, feel like also yeah. the
3: indie scene is, uh, is maybe it's an assumption, but I feel sometimes that the indie scene is more daring and, uh, mm-hmm. and bold in the kind of things they try out. Where you see yeah. this kind of uh, uh, tendency in uh, AAA games that they become kind of samey uh, in some mm-hmm. ways. Uh, for example, like um, Assassin's Creed has affected like a lot of games and has like oh every AAA games wants these kind of uh, uh, wall runs and all this kind of uh, stuff. And yeah, so yep. so sometimes the the AAA games can also feel like you're buying the same game with a different skin. I'm, it's a little maybe uh, too much to say that, but sometimes it can feel very uh, similar. In, uh, in feel and and gameplay, and I feel like the indie scene sometimes, yeah, are more daring in the kind of uh, stuff they try out, and thus they feel more different and fun and new.
0: Yeah, yeah you find more game games that have their comes. own identity. Yeah, in that sense, because like a lot, a lot of tri- triple A's have sort of felt like formulaic. Um, yeah, like a game exactly. that I that I really like like uh, horizon zero dawn when I, when I played that, Um, you know, it's a great game, uh, beautiful. And um, like, it has its own things that it does. The side quests uh, are more well-written than, than anything I've tried in Assassin's Creed. But then again, I got sick of Assassin's Creed pretty quickly. So I can't speak for like the the newer titles, but um, it's definitely a thing where you have like big open world, uh, collectibles all around, you know, the feathers or flags or anything, you know, and it's like, Good oh, choice. try to collect them all. But it's like, it's it's the same old <laughs> stuff everywhere. And and it's like, why? Yeah. Why do you make me do this? And yeah. um, like a game I, I've been starting recently, is like uh, Kenna British Bridge of Spirits. And um, I haven't completed it yet. Uh, I've seen people having different opinions, but one of the things I really like is, is sort of... Um, with the technology that we have today, it's like sort of the the, the backdrops to a lot of the places. Um, like it has these more tightly designed levels. Like sometimes you have a more linear linear path, but then it will breach into this more explorable territory. Like still smaller, but but you can sort of take different routes around everywhere, and the level will sort of loop back on itself in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but but like with the backdrop and the vistas that you will sometimes get, you have the illusion um, of you know the world and the play space that you can't get to, and uh, games used to do this back in the day. You, you know, and uh, like even newer titles like Dark Souls, for example. Um, yeah. Especially like the third one, as you move up to to Firelink Shrine, um, you see these uh, mountains. You know, just way out where you can't get to, but you get like this sense of scale still. And and I feel like often times where um, Sort of creating the illusion of of a bigger space sort of does the trick better. Um, uh, playing yeah. uh, Final Fantasy fifteen for example is is um, is when we, you know you can drive from one end to the map uh, over to the other side of it in what like I think it'll take about fifteen minutes. Uh, I think I tried once, um, maybe a bit more, but it's it's like still when you have an entire world and you can drive from one end to the next in less than half an hour uh at least um yeah like suddenly th- this entire world becomes very very small whereas um in some of the older final fantasy titles you would have like the overworld map and you would have like what you knew was sort of representations of of like characters on a on a sort of like a um uh, you know a, a world that was sort of shrunk down but you got like this sense of oh they're actually traveling quite far to get to this specific place um and, and so yeah like I, they just had a bigger sense of scale rather than making it, you know a, a lot of games will, will, will boast about how many square meters or uh, kilometers actually, that
3: they uh, have that's a really fun point uh it also like um it reminds me just of a, like sometimes the journey is not measured necessarily in uh, in distance, but sometimes in time. And if you have a, like a small map but with a lot of content, then you use a lot of time on that content, and thus the journey feels longer. Uh, for example, like a game like uh, Grand Theft Auto, Song Saint, Saint Andreas feels like like big, but if you look at the map uh, today, it's actually kind of small. And it's it's funny how like you like you mentioned journalist like a big map doesn't necessarily feel good yeah, it, yeah. The,
2: uh, when it's empty and lifeless then it's
0: yeah what's yeah. the point especially yeah. with,
2: with the uh, the older GTA games like oh, oh, also White City um, I feel yeah. like they really did it amazingly because you at first you feel like it's a it's a big wide city. And when you get to know it, you still feel like it's a big city, but yeah. you know your way around it. So if you just look at the map, it's really small, but you have all those memorable, memorable uh, little places. And you know, like, okay, if I want to go to there, then I need to go to the airport and then left and then there. And, and in, in your mind, you you fill in like this distance, just like you said, because there's a lot of content there and you have a lot of memories attached to all those places yeah. where you have had missions. So it was really like... Using their technology to to make it stand out, and I don't know, maybe maybe with big games it's inevitable that they get to this point because there's a budget and you have to cater to a lot of people. Yeah, um, I'm I'm not really excited about the newest uh, Dark Souls game or Elden Ring as it's called because I I love the series and especially the first part just blew me away. Um, or Demon Souls blew me away and the first Dark Souls as well because it was so well-crafted and you had, like, mountains in the distance, but later on you found out, oh, shit, now I'm there. That was the thing I I saw on the horizon from the start and the the world-building was amazing and the daringness of just not giving a fuck if the player walks in the wrong direction, goes to the cemetery, he just instantly dies and it's just like a, uh, yeah, it's just like hell out there (laughs) and (laughs) no one explains anything to you. And... uh, that was really refreshing. And now with the newest installments one by one, it got, yeah, a bit toned down. And now you have to go to the indie games to get like the
1: real new stuff again. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's one of the things that our, our mutual friend, Tristan, you know, musician on our uh, wonderful still of Valkyrie. He's working on a project called elementalism, which is a, you know, a very mod project. But they play with that. They actually accomplish exactly what you just said in the Doom engine, where it's like you you start off the game and you see these like these pyramids or these mountains or whatever off in the distance, and they hmm. they fuck with the skybox so much as like every time you get through a level, it's like oh I'm closer, I'm closer, I'm closer, ah, I'm closer to this nice. goal. It's really in, in, like just tremendous. But that's a we're kind of getting away from sound design now. We're talking about game design in general, but like these are the things that make people immersed in an experience so you, were, you know uh, to go all the way back to our childhoods is like doom is just like okay you can put a level you can put a level okay and you have no concept of where you are really in the world unless they unless they give you some sort of visual representation of what that is yeah and it's wild it's it's very strange that uh technology and this is something that you guys were talking about a little bit earlier technology deeply influences what you are able to do like do you want to have a 40 millibyte game uh or demo because you bloat it with audio and high fidelity music and all this kind of shit or do you do you make that compromise to you know okay what i'm doing is not so important we need to tone it down a bit in order to deliver the product in a a usable fashion.
0: I am definitely the kind of person who um, will try to, as much as I can, bring down the size of it. Like one of the things I absolutely hate when, when if I'm on the PlayStation or something, I buy a game, I have to download it. But if it's like a hundred gigabyte and I have like, yeah, it's like a lot of these games they don't care about the amount of space they take up and it's like I hate having to uh, like delete games and install them again and then they have like the, the all the patches and everything and it just it takes hours and it's and they're literally like games where it's like am I fictional Final Fantasy 15 was one where when I first installed it it, it took quite a while from buying it even with like having the CD and everything, a Blu-ray disc, um, to actually being able to play it, and so it was a big decision for me. For like, I I haven't played that I haven't played the, the DLC shit. and I wanted to do that. Um, but like, before I did it, like because it took up a lot of space, and I needed some space to install some other games, and I was like, do I delete this? Maybe I should play through the DLCs if I want to do that because I know as soon as I delete this, I'm not going to install this again anytime mm-hmm. soon. Like this is going to be gone and, and that's a good chance I will never get yeah. back to it. Um, and, and, and it's the kind of thing where when, when there's like games that, that don't take up a lot of space, um, that I really appreciate personally because yeah. it's like, yes, thank you. Like and Sekiro. And yeah, yeah. Sekiro is like 12 gigabytes or something on the PlayStation yeah. 5. If you buy that's it dig- digitally, yeah,
3: yeah, it can sometimes seem like these um, companies could maybe think that oh, um, oh, our game is uh, hundred gigabytes, oh, but it doesn't matter. Uh, the new PlayStation has a terabyte of room or something. But if every game company thinks that, then you have ten games uh, when you are.
0: And not, and you don't even have that because some of the, some of that space is taken yeah, yeah, up of by course, like, <laughs> the system.
1: GTA Five was the first game that I put the disc in, and then I had to sit while it downloaded content for like two hours. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, I was like, what yeah. the fuck is happening it's, here right now?
3: It's really uh, fun to think, especially like the consoles, because at least when I grew up, I remember like the difference between a PC and a console was that you could just <laughs> go home, plug in your... A cartridge into the nintendo or whatever and it just boots up there's no yeah. dlc Down. download time or anything no It just plays. where well, now it's like it has all the downsides of playing on pc where it's like oh shit you have this day one dlc or something where you have to download 50 gigabytes of content and it's just ah no playing today i guess
1: <laughs> That's something I think about a lot, and it's an advantage we have at Slipgate and Three Realms and in the Keep in general. Is that you know we're we're marketing to the people who want that experience, even if it's not console, but it's just like you know retro, yeah. small, whatever the fuck. Yeah, because yeah, when when you sit down at your fucking PlayStation, you realize you have to wait two more hours to download yeah. the content that you went to GameStop or whatever the fuck and bought the disc for it's like what the fuck is this it's a fundamental change in the way that console works because you know when I was growing up and if you go back and you read like retro gamer magazine or whatever it was always about the technology what fits on the disc what what works for this system and you tailor the gaming experience to what is available to the person who has it the internet changed everything Uh, big time yeah
0: yeah
2: yeah especially with rising speeds and rising storage capacity uh, yeah people don't just don't seem to care anymore to restrict them in some some fashion but i yeah i think everyone knows by now that restriction is a a very important part of creativity if you have like uh god bless you ben that's why we get along so well (laughs) if you have your digital workstation and have like the the first time i started with like Sound. I uh, already talked about this a, a little bit, but I started with like, hey, I want to make music. And I bought like lots of instruments and sample packs and had like 200 gigabytes of stuff. And then I was like, okay, now I have 5,000 kicks. Which one do I choose? <laughs> and I spent like an hour choosing a kick. And then I had the kick. And yeah, it, it totally takes the creativity out of it. And you especially see that with retro games, if they try to get the aesthetic or if they even... Go so far as to try um for some some companies or for some indie games they even try to get it on an original cartridge and try to play with the limits and try to okay maybe we can make a custom pcb and make the game a bit bigger but let it run natively on a on a super nintendo or something like that
3: Mm -hmm.
2: that really yeah that makes for such creative games um one one example I, I want to point out here is uh, Micro Mages. I don't know if you guys heard of it. They made Micro Mages is a game for the NES, and you can play it on the original NES in four player multiplayer or in single player. And they had a whole like twenty minutes um, like uh, panel talk about how they got um, with all the limitations how they got all that content in because they have levels and boss fights and all that in coop mode and also deathmatch mode. And <laughs> it's just like for the NES, it's just, yeah, it just blew my mind. Um, and I, the whole panel and the whole technical talk of it was like the limitations, what was, what drove them forward. So how many, how many bytes can we press out of that? How many sprites can we reuse and just flip and, Make it make it m- even more awesome for like I don't know what it what it was like forty six kilobytes or one hundred and twenty eight kilobytes of game, which is just with sound and sprites and uh, multiplayer is yeah it's just blew my mind and right. yeah, yeah. It always goes to show make yeah work with limitations um, yeah for Colors, of yeah. I'm doing that with like I want to have that retro sound I want to have like this special microphone and that's why sometimes it takes a lot of time. Getting a simple single sound out. But yeah, the process is fun and it, it keeps me on my toes and keeps me working creatively. And I think that's with all the bigger games, Assassin's Creed is a good example of Far Cry as well. They are blockbusters, but the gameplay, I don't know, no risks, no really limitations. Make it bigger, make it even more, more, more fetch quests. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It it's, doesn't it's sound very, that fun.
3: It, it's very neat to look at, but. It's not very deep often, but yeah. By the way, your point about limitations is uh, actually really fun because it's also a yeah, especially applicable in sound design, where there exists a million plugins and a million uh, sound libraries and ten thousand microphones and and it's sometimes fun to just like say, hey, what if right. I only use this synthesizer to do it all? Or for example, like I have a a smaller, uh, uh, like a modeler synthesizer, a Eurorack. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> exactly. And it, it looks like MOOC or something. I don't know. But no, yeah. it's like a
2: custom format.
3: Oh, okay, okay, okay. It, it's bigger than <laughs> We'll talk than about mine. it later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and sometimes, um, also before I'm, uh, like, before making sounds for games, it's like, for, for example, like for my own music or something, it's also fun to just say, hey, what if, the entire sample library is made on this UREC synthesizer. Yes. And then I have to work in these kind of fun, fun limitations and discover new stuff that I wouldn't have noticed uh, if I did. not yeah. And yeah, I think both uh, Jonas and I have, have utilized that approach uh, several so times where it's like, we don't have these tools. Let's see what we can do uh, without them then.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very fun trying to come up with, um, for example, uh, in in Graven, a lot of the enemies we've been working on is like we um, we've had ourselves to sort of do the the voice acting. Yeah, and it's very fun trying to find uh, okay, what new ways can I mangle my voice? It's pitch okay. it up and down. Which filters going through it? And and yeah. um, I remember do like for the we had like the the uh, the Game Awards demo. Uh, December last year, um we had the Maya Rebra in and at this at this time i'm living with two other friends, um one of whom has a very different you know daily schedule than me um and in a <laughs> in an apartment with very bad acoustics and trying to get this like deep roaring voice without waking people or you know <laughs> having to tell people you can't you can 't use your keyboards uh you can 't do anything. Um, even one of my friends who was in a room at the other side, it was so reverberant that I had to, uh, I had to wait until, um, like, uh, they were either, you know, done on the computer or done sleeping if they were snoring, because, you know, you could hear it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I would try to sort of make especially if like one of my friends who was, if they were like sleeping at some hours during the day, I would. I couldn't just go all out, like just roaring. So I try to make my voices deep and and try getting these roaring, like pitching them down or or doing this and that with them through filters and just whatever I had, um, in, uh, we've been using Ableton live, uh, a lot for a lot of our uh, sound designs. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very fun when, when, when it's like, okay, um, like we have two voice actors and a whole lot of enemies. Mm. How many different voices can we do for these? How how many different things yeah. can we yeah. g- get so out far, of? So far, I
3: think we've been pretty... Yeah, so yeah we've gotten, pretty gotten away with, different with it. ...differentiating. Uh, when we tell people that it's just our two voices, most people are like, huh. Uh, so I, I, I want to think that we have... Uh, so far, at least, differentiated the different voices. Pretty nice.
1: That's one of the things that I love the most about. You know, I would say game design in general is that when you truly tremendous things come from necessity; they don't come from options or freedom. Yeah. I mean, like and, there, there's yeah. a certain amount of like you know, oh wow, this is I'm free to do whatever I want, but like for as a producer. When I tell someone do whatever the fuck you want, I don't care. You know, about fifty percent of the time, it turns out great. You know, you get a guy like Ben who's just like, just do whatever you want, man. And he he comes up at you every time where it's like, this is awesome. And then you get some people who are just like, they need not guidance, but they need to just be. They have to, they need to have their parameters set yeah. for them. Yeah, and that's when the magic happens. That's when it's like, okay, you can't do this. You can't do that. You don't have access to this. The budget is this. The budget is not what you want it to be. You can only use this keyboard. You can only use this synthesizer. You can only use this sound library, whatever it is.
2: Yeah.
1: And then magic starts happening because they're, they're like an animal fighting out. And, and, and that sounds fucked up, but like when you're an animal fighting your way out of a cage, you come up with a lot of creative ways to get out of that cage yeah, as opposed to you're you're free, go frolic like Bambi in the forest, the endless forest, and and they're like, I don't know what to do because I have a million different options.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. like a white paper total, syndrome. Yeah.
1: yeah, total freedom is is
2: actually hell because uh, total freedom always leads to people creating problems for themselves because you always need a problem to fix, and if you don't have any problems, you end up starting creating yourself
1: so yeah i can't you, I, I struggle with yeah. even picking a damn charity for the pigeon classic i'm just like there's so many charities out there yeah. <laughs> yeah. which one is yeah. the right one what's the most ethical thing to do i don't know i'm yeah. scared <laughs> like it's yeah it's someone 30. just gives you like a here's 10 to pick from pick yeah. one
2: okay done it's a, it's or,
3: just or
0: like
2: a list of constraints or like a list of constraints to like uh you can only use the, these causes or only yeah give it to five of these countries or something like that. And I think it's, it's important if you understand that this is a basic human thing that you can't run away from this, that you can start to create for yourself a kind of work ethic and, and integrate it into your work. And that's something, um, yeah, I've learned over the the last years to, to incorporate in my, in my work. If I, if I get something (laughs) like from you, like, yeah, just do whatever you want. Yeah. Make sounds, whatever you want. And, then I will start to actually think hard about what kind of constraints I want to set for myself. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, especially with Stellar Walkery, for example, I I want to make it really like uh, in a lo-fi way, um, not as polished and, and just bang it out and see what com- what comes out and like record the first thing and then try to go as far as I can and uh, hold on to that and i mean if it doesn't work we can we can throw it out later but oftentimes it does work um, yeah. from the first idea and that that makes me really focused because the first time i'm recording something or the first time i'm working on a sound i'm like okay this is the one sound i'm going to make i'm going to ha- use this one and i'm constraining myself to this one approach now <laughs> and yeah that's why why most of the time right. it works really well and yeah. yeah and
1: you're part of a team of people who are used to Playing the hand they're dealt, right? Like, so you're used to, you know, like Scumhead is like, he will be like, I want to work in this engine. What are the parameters of this engine? What can I do? How can I express my art through that? Uber Gawaii is used to working in Z Damon. So actually, he's like, well above, you know, I won't say punching above his weight because that's not a correct way to say it. He's like, he has more freedom than he's ever had, really, because he's working in GZ Doom or Unity or whatever the fuck it is. And Tristan is used to being, you know, like part of mod communities and I'm just like, just make whatever music you think works for this man. No, I don't care. No. <laughs> and I trust you. I think you're a true. I try to do that. Like I try to find myself around creative people who are like uh like you said, they will gate themselves. They will yeah. put parameters on themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's also kinda like um just like you said before, like if you have a lot of options you find like ten. Um also as you alluded to before, like if if uh you know Difficulties in um, sort of like when mm-hmm. people say, "Oh, I want a, a beefier sound or something," that you you, you know you, you instead try to narrow it down so you you come to, with like three options for them to choose from and say, Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I've made like three very distinct yeah. different sounds, um, and here's the beef. So <laughs> pick one of them. Um, and isn't uh, it funny when they don't pick the beef?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's,
2: yeah, that's the most. Pick the chicken. Yeah, make
0: exactly. it warmer, yeah. and then they use the total. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, I did cut you off, man. <laughs> that, no, but it's 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 true though. It's like you're coming and say, "Oh, yeah. I want meat." It's like, okay, has beef, has chicken. I actually made some salmon over here. <laughs> take a <Yeah>. pick, <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and 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 yeah. and yeah, and so you know they choose and narrow it down. It's like, oh, we want the chicken. I'm like, you sure don't want the beef? Okay, the chicken, sure. <laughs> okay, like, how do you want me to season it? Like what's oh like, right? and that's and so fucking funny. Yeah, but <laughs> it's, it's, that's kind of like the thing, right? That you, you know, when they when they talk about like, like they can mean a million things when they say because if, when what they mean when yeah. they say beefy, um, could be uh, something totally different from what you think that it is. Like usually, I would think beefy is more like low end and crisp is more like they want the top end bass, baby. They want that oh, boom. boom, like yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We need it's more yeah. We, we, I worked at, um, I did an internship at at uh, Bedtime Digital Games, uh, and one of the things they would say a lot was like, "We need more power," um, and it was like, no matter what sound I was working on, you know, like some sort of attack sound, ability sound, anything really, like everything needed more power. And I was like, "You say that word so much, it's lost all meaning," and, <laughs> and but like you know. And also
2: if everything is powerful, nothing is powerful. Because yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's yeah. a
1: very fundamental truth in everything that has to do with the design. If you if you if you play at full volume all the time, nothing matters. Yeah, yeah. you have to you have to have peaks and valleys, right? Exactly. And downs. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You want you want like variation. It's also like. Um, when we talked about like the first gun in a game, you don't want that to be the beefiest sounding gun. Like you want that to be this this sort of visual and auditive progression to to these sounds. Uh, same same like a, a thing in like a level, let's say the haunted house kind of uh, example that we used where it's like um you start in one place and then you move through uh, like this forest and you hear like creatures, then you get to another part and suddenly like the creatures are like disappearing. And then you get to like the house, it's it's like, you know, you you sort of tell a story as the player goes through this level um, Mm -hmm. until they reach the haunted house. And when they enter, it's like, boom, like from when you started and there was like life and birds and everything to when you're in that house, like you, you, you sort of want to, to have this, this progression uh, and, and, uh, you know, optimally that would be, you know, both visually. Uh, auditively, and even in gameplay, right as, as well. Like you know, yeah. in the beginning, you you have more, maybe more freedom, and then it constrains you, and then it locks you in this house, and then it's like, okay, now get out, survive. Whereas at the beginning, it's like, oh, you're fine, you're safe. Um, and and yeah, it, it's like, um, especially when when uh, you know you you put these constraints on yourself. Um it, it, it allows for this sort of, um, you know, it, it's like pushing back on the, the, the white paper syndrome. Like you have all the options in the world, but it's like, okay, I can't pick from a million options. Like I don't know what I'm missing out on, but from like it's, five it's options, difference, to four. It's the difference
1: between being a scientist and an engineer, right? So if you're a scientist and you're told like, go out and solve any problem you want. Then you could kill your whole life just like pondering different aspects of reality. An engineer is told solve this problem with science or with math or with you know physics, yeah. and then they just solve the problem with these constraints,
2: and, with this budget. <laughs> right. You
1: know, and, and what I'm saying is like a in your guys' case, like as sound designers, it's like what you're being asked to do is usually not what you necessarily like th- what well, you didn't wake up on monday and say like i want to be doing what i'm doing on friday you know you're just mm. asked to solve a problem for someone else but you do it and that's how you make a living and there's nothing wrong with that like that's that's fucking fantastic it's just like it's a different mindset because you're ultimately usually bound by the point of view of someone else of what they want, of what they th- they need, or they think they need for well, the system project.
3: There is actually though a benefit uh, mm-hmm. uh, with sound being uh, slightly ignored, uh, mm-hmm. because that also means that we are often given free reign to something that, like try different things, uh, because nobody is really saying. They just say, "Oh, we need a gun sound for this." They they wouldn't yeah. go into specifics. Oh, it needs to be. Uh, hard hitting and blah 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 and needs to sound like this and giving a, a lot of examples um, Oftentimes it's just like go nuts and th- yeah. there can be that benefit with uh, us having like um, more room to, to play around and sometimes we also like like to see is there like problems that we're not dealing with currently but we could be alleviating by designing it in a certain way, mm. um, so there, there's there's that engineer aspect to it where you solve the task at hand, but there is also somewhat of a science uh, a scientist aspect to it where you kind of um,
1: yeah
3: go looking for problems in in the pro- project and see could this be done in a better in a more optimal way or something yeah. so because people don't really
0: uh, yeah yeah we we actually had there was like a, a weapon in in uh, in Graven where um what we like the way it was set up was uh i think it gone through some iteration as as well but um like they tested it and they were like oh my god this is really loud you know uh, to turn down the volume and then I went in looking at it and it was like oh this was actually set up as that start loop release thing but it, it's like, um, it's, it works sort of like a Gatling. It shoots a lot of of, of projectiles um, out, but it, it works more like a, a laser in a sense. Like what, what we wanted wasn't a sound for each specific, uh, you know, projectile being fired yeah. from this thing. It's like, no, we wanted like a loop. It's like if, if you design, let's say, uh, uh, like, um, you know, Gatling guns or something like that will we'll often be designed where you will have like a little loop that that will be playing it would it won't be like each individual um you know projectile being fired will not have its own sound um and so you know you go in and you you sort of sometimes look at things and they're like oh you know they think this is the problem we need to turn down the volume and you go in and you're like no actually like the system for this uh we need to change that to the start loop Mm -hmm. release system that we have over here um instead because that would allow us to uh, you know save voices um have better control and and just get the desired effect and the desired sound that we're looking for here.
1: Yeah. A a Gatling gun is no different than what you were talking about earlier when you were talking about car engines, right? Like how does it sound when the car fires up? Once you meet, you know, you, once you've reached maximum RPM, it's the same sound who gives a shit. Yeah. Uh, But the, the up to that, you know, each gear shift or in a Gatling gun skate, like the, the, the start of like, like whatever the fuck, that's that's the important part of the sound. Everything after that is just the loop. You're right. It's really yeah. uh, really insightful on your part to yeah. think about it that way.
0: Yeah, it is. Like you also have to think of like you know what system is going to be playing the sound. And the thing was that that it had had this sort of start loop release, I think, um, and then um, there had been some work done. And then they just set up the start sound for each projectile. But of course, like the, the sound for the sort of start is, is made to, to sort of fade into the looping sound. So it's it's kind of long. And for how quickly they were playing the sound, to, you know, <laughs> using nice. some of the debugging tools, you could just see like all the voices just being filled up <laughs> immediately. And, and, and it was like, oh, you know, you have to troubleshoot and like, okay, what you think is wrong here. Guys, it's actually not what's wrong. What what we need to do is this. Um, but but yeah, but it's also kind of um, a fun thing, like with sort of like the limitations as well. Like the systems that have to play back these sounds, like we have to take them into account or um, try to work with what we have. Or and you know, if that potentially doesn't work, it's like okay, what? How could we? You know, how could we set up like a system that play plays back this audio the way that, that we want to achieve? Like, what is it that we actually want to achieve here? Um, say, like the thing where if, if you would be making, let's say, a Gatling gun, you would think that oh, each projectile will need its own sound, but like classically, it is made with the start loop release. Um, yeah. so so that's like one of the things as well in terms of like, um, the implementation part of the process, like we have like production of audio post-production and then implementation, like this would be in that category of like, uh, we have to think about the implementation as well when we are, you know, recording and, and, and uh, you know, working with the sound post-production as well. Um, because if we don't like potentially we just waste a whole lot of time figuring out that, oh, <laughs> um, Right. Yeah. So uh, kinda... we actually need all you coders to uh, redesign like how all of these things are being fired off. Um, and yeah. we also need more time to get the sounds in.
3: Yeah, because we often yeah, work like iterative where yeah. We, yeah. we want to yeah. implement it and test it out because it's kind of hard to design a sound in uh, the, it's con- the context of itself. Uh, we want to hear how it sounds in relation to the rest of the game and especially the system that fires it so yeah so that we don't do redundant work and yeah just waste our time
0: and yeah depending on the system yeah. like when you make like a for example the start loop release there's like a way that you would approach making you know those sounds it's all like the same approach but whether or not you start going into the loop going into the release whether or not that works yeah that's very much an iterative iterative process where we we want to be able to put it in we want to be able to to actually play around with it um in engine and and test it out on, on in various ways to see how does it sound if like the player just clicks uh, you know incessantly like just does, yeah, does still work
3: or with the example for example of the 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 gun that has to start uh, loop release um for example, we need to iterate on how long is the start sequence exactly. So how long does this wind up for the uh, minigun or whatever have, have to be? And we need, we need it to be uh, at a working state for us to, to actually implement it and try it out. Um, and and yeah, iterate on it from that point because there's a lot of variables like how long should this sound play and how loud should this be and blah, blah, blah. Um, So, yeah, it it really is like the last in the pipeline sound. Oh, yeah. Go ahead.
1: So we've been talking for like, you know, two hours and 40 minutes now. I want to be (laughs) conscientious of the fact that, you know, you guys... It's like one what, one twenty five, some one 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 thirty your your guest time. I, I do need to be conscientious of that. Um, I have learned so much through the course of this conversation, just like picking all of your brains and like getting your ideas and like how you approach the the art of what you do. But uh, <laughs> I think we all need to go to bed. <laughs> That's and uh, we can do it part two. Hopefully, I can get Marky or some other people to you know join us and like really expand upon what we've talked about so far today. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Yeah, and you guys have been tremendous, uh, Ben. I-, I love you. You know that you're part of my team. Same, man. Same. Big ups, uh, Mountus. I uh, had so much fun just getting to meet you when I was in Denmark. So, like, yeah, you too, just, man. No, dude, you're you're like amazing, and, and your <laughs> philosophy on things. Like, you know, I was telling you. Before I actually brought this is pre Ben being involved in Stellar Valkyrie, I was trying to you know just blossom and and make my own sound design. And you were one of the few people who were like, "No, that what you did was sound design. Like that's good. You were you were encouraging, though. I was probably yeah. an idiot. No, Ben's probably going to laugh because I know he's erased a lot of what I did. <laughs> but,
2: <laughs> no, man, I've, I've enhanced it.
1: Enhanced it? Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but no, you know man, what? I it,
2: mean? It, it was a great effort. Really, yeah, it was
1: um I mean, having just dipped it. my toe into what you guys do, I appreciate deeply how difficult the job really is and uh and Giannis, uh, we got a million things to talk about between you and I, but like for for real, like dude, you, I respect you so much as a as a professional, and yeah your philosophies and the way that you think about what you do is just truly magnificent. And all of you guys are are tremendous. I'm, I'm so proud to have, you know, brought two and a half, two and a half more, almost three hours worth of content to the people who are going to listen to this, and hopefully one of the people, if there's you know 100, 200, 300, a thousand, some percentage of the people who hear this will uh, go on to be as great at what they do as any of you guys are. I mean that. Yeah. Thanks for
0: yeah, so sure, too, man. And likewise, man, I really uh, dig the podcast, but dig into the episodes and such. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah
1: no. I'll Try my best. Yep. Yeah, maybe.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, at some point you'll move to Denmark. Let's see.
1: I'll see you guys. We'll do the live February.
3: show. February. Do yeah. Yeah.
1: We'll fly Ben up or like have him take a train. I'm, I'm going to drive up exactly. there. Man. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, mean, we'll we'll
3: just the podcast without any. Uh, it'll just be us in the same room. We'll yeah, smash some
1: two right. board classics and just fucking see what happens. Yeah. I'm putting all my microphones and we make like a
2: recording. Oh, yeah Yes. All right. <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
1: much love, everybody. Yeah, it's Since we spent so much time talking about him, I thought it would only be appropriate to play some music by Immorfer at the end of this episode. So here it is. Uh, you can go check out all of his stuff over on Bandcamp or you know wherever he posts his. Sh- I'll, I'll put links in the episode notes. Don't worry. Uh, also, you know, huge thank you to Ben and Mountus and Giannis for you know joining us and then spreading the knowledge and letting me learn all about son- what did I call it? Sonic psychology. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll have links to all of those guys and, and places you can find them and. <sighs> definitely go check out all the games that they're working on especially Vin's because they're also mine I'm kidding but uh nah it was fun and I hope that you enjoyed it I want to say thank you to everyone out there listening currently and I also want to say thank you to our supporters so Shannon Ben Bridge Anthony Mike Zan Lord Revan Fred Brandy Jack Robert Graceless Dragon Red Eyes Brad Dots Moose Paul Flambo I Greg Simon and of course uh, and more for music you're listening to right now uh all of these are amazing people and I thank all of you for you know giving to the show supporting us uh if you're listening and you're like how do I get on that list uh all those people that i just named either are patreon supporters or you know contribute something to the show um, because they're awesome i don't know why they do it but they do and you can too in the keep.com forward slash support you can also you know check out all of our cool stuff that we're making our other podcasts and grab some merch from our merch tab whatever you want to do doesn't matter the best thing you can do to support the show is just to listen and then tell people how fucking awesome it is hopefully they'll get into it as well um that's pretty much all i got i hope y'all enjoyed the pigeon classic if you didn't go back and watch it all now and uh until next time i love you the drowned god catholic loves you you should stay in the keep